It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of the Former Action Guys podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Justin Kramer. Today, I have my buddy, Nate Garns on. He's a uh, junior at the Ohio State University. I have to say it that way or my dad will beat me. Uh, He's studying accounting and Chinese. So um, his perspective on the COVID-19 or coronavirus is pretty interesting. Uh, it It was good conversation. We talk about the different reactions we've had with the politicians and the public and stuff like that. So overall, really good conversation there. Um, if you want to hear more about his full background, which he was a fifth Anglico guy, he was also a first Anglico guy. Then he came to 10th Marines and he and I taught the JTAC and J- uh, JFO primers together at 10th Marine regiment. Uh, if you want to hear more of that, go back to episode nine and check out his full episode pre video. Now we're on video. So if you didn't know that already, make sure you're subscribed to the new Former Action Guys podcast YouTube channel. Um, give it a like. Leave some comments on your favorite episodes. I've started to add, and I've just added another one yesterday, the uh, top hits from previous episodes so you can listen to some of the best stories over and over again. I actually just added Andrew DeMauro's, um story about um, when he was getting ready to go out on a mission and a Marine staff sergeant uh, picked up a what he thought was a, an American 152 radio or, excuse me, a Georgian military 152 radio, and it was actually an IED that went off in the vehicle, and he was there for the response uh, for that. So that story is now up on the YouTube channel, so make sure to check that out. And then finally, make sure to check out my website, jkramergraphics.com, and my Instagram page, at jkramergraphics. Um, you know, I never throw it out there, but I will this time. I also have another Instagram page called at Media. And that's where I do um, photography work and stuff, and I post stuff up there. I haven't shot some photos in a little bit, so the stuff's from this uh, last summer when I did my cross-country road trip, I think is my most recent work. Or actually, you know, I did uh, one of my buddy's cars is on there. So check that out, J. Kramer Media. And yeah, and my website, as always, jkramergraphics.com. Like I said before, if you need unit stuff, if your unit is not on there, just send me the logo or send me the information, and I can get you T-shirts, hoodies, you know, freaking flags are super popular right now. Uh, flags and then the um, uh, laser etched tumblers are great for unit gifts so, or going away gifts. So make sure to check that out, jkramergraphics.com. And that's it. Enjoy the show, everybody. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. 
They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. So no, I am not sheltering in place. I mean, me and my kid are here. We're, we're just hanging out and... Um, we're doing like what you would do if you had VGE on ship, the double dragon. Uh, <laughs> we're just, I'm like, Hey man, all right, it's time. And we'll just go and wipe every handle down, you know, once a day, just which whatever, it probably not going to do anything, <clears throat> but it'll, uh, it's, it can't be bad. You know? Yeah. It can't hurt. So yeah, we're doing that. And other than that, it's just me and him just hanging out here. So I'm not really too concerned you know we get out i actually would be out more but the weather here in san diego has been just shit it's just been raining um so yeah we've been chilling at home the few little bit of breaks in the rain we've had we've taken my dog to the park and stuff um yeah you know just get out and do stuff we're i don't know i'm not too worried i I mean obviously there's this thing is going on and it's real but i'm not I'm not out there trying to. I already don't interact with that many people anyway, especially <laughs> since school's out. Yeah, you know, since school's out, like I work from home. You know, I run my website, I do the podcast, stuff like that. So, yeah. um, my interactions with other human beings have gone way down. <laughs> so yeah, this I is actually, the way it'll be for a little while. I'm in my I'm in my dad's basement right now. <clears throat> Back in so, the parents' basement, broadcasting yeah. live. My brother has a he, – he runs a construction company, so I didn't have anything going on, and spring break was extended, so packed up the animals and just drove up two hours, visit with family, and work with my brother. Are you guys on uh, full online classes when you come back? Yep, till the end of the semester at least. Yeah, that's what we are as well. And then um, the other day they had all the uh, students – they were like, hey, you have 24 hours to move out of campus housing, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. There was one kid that came back and I, I might've talked about it on the last podcast. I don't remember, but there was a kid that came back from Italy on studying abroad. And they're yeah. like, Hey, you just came back from Italy. You need to go self quarantine for 14 days. So he self quarantined. I guess after like three days, he's like, I feel fine. Went to like a music festival out oh. here, went on campus to talk to two people he needed to talk to. So he went into like two buildings and, um, that's when they were like, everyone like, you know, online classes now because they were going to start at spring break, but right. Were you guys um, not already on spring break when it, when it kicked off? No, spring break starts at the end of the month for us. Okay. See our spring break. We were on spring break. <clears throat> Ohio state was on spring break. And then they the said Ohio gonna, state. that he, the Ohio state, they, uh, they said they're going to transition to online classes for the rest of the semester. And then, like, three days later, the president, Drake, the president of Ohio State University, came out and said, uh, you know what, we're going to extend spring break by a week, and we need you – or no. Yeah, they were just going to do online classes until the end of the month. And then a week ago, they decided to extend spring break for a week. Everybody has to move out of on-campus housing and then online classes for the rest of the semester. Yeah. And they've delayed commencement. At least they're going to delay commencement. They might, you know, cancel it, which I got a lot of friends who are pretty upset about that. Are you, You're graduating this year, right? Nope. You have one more year left? One more year, yeah. Yeah, me too. I think. I need to go sit down with my advisor and make sure everything's, like, lining up right. Yeah. 
because I might I have GI Bill benefits on the back end. I'll have some left over because I was smart enough. I'm glad I did. The last two years I was in, I just started crushing classes and I knocked yeah, out like 30 credits while I was still in. Yeah, I got so my. I'm gonna tr- hopefully, I can apply that to a master's program. After yeah, I graduate. So if you if you if you have even one day of benefit available to you, and then you can like then you can have a whole semester. You just have to have one day of benefit. So I oh, think really is that how it works? Yeah. So if you have one day of benefit left, like you'd gotten your entire undergraduate degree and finished, and at the end of the spring semester, the the date that your benefit ended, if you had one day left of your whatever it is, thirty six months of eligibility, mm-hmm. then you can get a whole other semester. Huh. I didn't yeah. know that. I had a guy on. So on episode thirty four, I had uh, Jose Esparza on. He's a uh, Navy vet, or he's actually still in. He's a reservist, and but he's the uh, certifying official at SDSU as well. Yeah. Um, so he came onto the podcast and and talked about a bunch of good stuff. I didn't hear. Him, I don't remember him saying that though. I feel like that's a pretty important. I'm about yeah, to ask him about I mean, that. I want to have him back on because there's a whole – a lot of people were freaking out about if they were going to lose the GI Bill once everyone went to online classes. Which apparently is not the case now, right? It's 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 At least Ohio State, you're full up – or the, yeah. the letter I got from the VA said you'll get – even if you're fully online for this – till January 2021, they'll allow, you'll still get your full BAH. It won't be reduced to the, to the national average. Yeah. Well, initially they said it was like, hey, this is going to be – this is going to apply to uh, – schools that have only certified that only that have certified online programs the schools like SDSU and and Ohio State have right. like hey I could take this one class online but majority of it's obviously in person so since right. they're certified for that that's why they were saying hey we can keep our full BAH but I think Congress actually just acted within like 24 hours and signed a piece of legislation saying that no one's BAH can be reduced so yeah saw that so that's cool they did something it's cool. This is a light and a fire under Congress, you know, for some shit. I mean, you know? I've been I've been fairly impressed. I watched the daily briefings from that the president and his and his immediate and his his cat team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so and yeah. I mean, they've been answering questions pretty, you know, pretty honestly, pretty fairly. It seemed like they yeah. have a good handle on the situation. Obviously, I feel like we underestimated it. Maybe there was a little bit of lag on our action on the front end, but you know. I mean, was there though? Because what exactly would testing, you expect someone to do? The ability to test and the and the ability to to, to get results from the test quickly. Because now they have this yeah. backlog of tests that they haven't done. That they're, I guess, the new system they've implemented is more, much more efficient. But well, did you see that part of the reason? Because the part of the reason for the testing issues is that the bulk amount, like a major amount of test kits that the CDC had, ended up being. Um, they found out they were bad. They were giving false positives and stuff like that. So yeah. they had like a million test kits that they had to toss because like whatever they call them, the active regents or something. I'm not, you know, I'm a liberal arts major. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so I don't, I don't know. I just trust what I, I trust what I hear mostly. They, trust so they them. had a shit ton of kits, but they were all bad is what is part of the reason why. But now they're saying that it's like they have a kit now that can tell you, I think within hours or instantly, that's what they were saying at the briefing today that can, uh, uh, instead of having to take like three days or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's, they got the new testing in place, so that's good. I don't know. I'm pretty fairly oblivious to it. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm cognizant of like social distancing. I try not to shake hands Mm -hmm. with people or like be in close contact, especially like with elderly populations, but I'm up here doing roughing with and construction with my brother. So, I mean, we're out, out and about daily, you know, getting dirty and living our lives as normal. 
I don't know. Can you contract it through just like breathing in the air? It's, I mean, it, I've heard six foot is the, is the range you want to have, you know? Yeah. That's what they've been saying. Yeah. Maybe I feel like maybe in an enclosed room, but you're outside, dude. Yeah, Fucking exactly. roofing too. What the hell are you yeah. roofing in the, is it wintertime still in Ohio? It's really nice today. It was like 50, 60s a day. Sun was shining. We did you're, four square. We just did a little patch today. It wasn't nothing. You crazy. are too old to be roofing. What dude, are you doing? Four years older than me, and he runs the business, and he's there every day doing that shit. He's a beast. <laughs> Man, my back would be so fucked up. Oh, yeah. Every day. Every day I, I, just, every day I'm done with the job. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do it. <laughs> when I was younger, man, when I was like 20, I think, I, I worked uh, a summer doing um, – uh, I mean, you call it being a carpenter, but I was doing uh, – we were building houses, but I was out there just learning shit. But, dude, climbing up on the roof sometime and up there just fucking putting down plywood, sheeting, and like just building a house, like yeah, that shit it's, is rough work, dude. Yeah. <laughs> After Especially, a while – like when you're up on a roof that like a house that's already built when you're, you know, doing a tear off and, 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 and shooting in a new putting shingles and everything down. There's two kinds of roof. There's a walker, meaning that you can walk on top of it and not, you know, fall off. And then the kind that's steep enough that you have to like actually drive in two by fours and use that as a point yeah. of contact to tear off. So I don't know. It's scary stuff, but I mean, it's not bad. Well, you're, scary, you're used to, scary is a relative term. Well, you do rock climbing, so you're used exactly. to like heights and stuff like that. Anyway, I, I'm a I'm not a fan of heights. You know, I'm a, <laughs> like I can deal with it, but I'm like, why put myself in that situation? Aren't you? Yeah. Were you airborne? Did First Aid Coast send you to? No, airborne? dude. No. Huh? You no. know, they actually offered it to me that when I first got there, my team chief or my team leader uh, was like, "Hey, man, we're sending three more guys. Um, we didn't know when you were going to get here, but you can take one of the seats if you want." And he's like, you're obviously the next primary dude is being the team chief in JTAC that would that would need it. And I'm like, dude, one, we're never going to fucking actually jump. And yeah, two, come, it's a fun school. <laughs> and two, because Anglico doesn't have a jump mission, you don't get paid yeah. extra for it. You don't get paid extra and you can't get your uh, you can't get your gold jump wings. You, it's hard to get jumps. You got to jump with third Anglico and shit. Yeah, it's a pain. Yeah, well, a lot of our guys were jumping. We were jumping with Anglico, the third Anglico, and they were jumping with first recon. And yeah. then when we attached to the Mew, they were going out with the guys that were doing like air delivery dudes, you know. So that's legit. That's a usable skill, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. First, I mean, first Anglico sent me to jump school, and it was like I went to jump school, and then we did some jumps afterwards, like the transition jumps. And it was more common. It was more common back then. Yeah. You know? Now, now it's all like a hookup, like, Hey, we got these open seats and, uh, we got some guys that can go. So let's send them, you know, it's all right. about the individual team or half my team was jump called. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I just, I had re- honestly no desire. People are all about it. I'm like, <laughs> dude, fuck that, man. Like I get it. Whatever, man. You're all about jumping out of planes and stuff. Like I have, uh, my buddy, Chris Harper, he was with recon or he, he was with recon. He's in the MESEP program right now. So he's down at, uh, Clemson, I think is where he's going to school. And uh, he skydives all the time recreationally. You know, he has his own parachute and stuff. And he's like, yeah, if you have your own shoot, it's like 25 bucks. You know, you just pay 25 bucks for the lift ticket to go up. And he's like, you should come. You should come. And I'm like, oh, fuck that, dude. Like, why? <laughs> like, I'm sure it's super cool. Maybe one day I'll do it. But I am, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I've done some wild stuff, but My last- skydiving just doesn't appeal to me. We had to give up our weekends to because we'd have to, you know, if you're jumping with third Anglico, they're jumping on the weekend. So, yeah, yeah we'd have to give up our weekends to go up there and like hook up with them and then go do the jump. So the last jump that we did, it was right after um, the last jump that I did, rather, was right after 
some of the, the, the brush fires in California. We were jumping into DZ Barcelona right there by Polgas. And I was the first guy out of the plane. It was the first guy, time I'd ever been the first guy out of the plane. And I fall a little bit faster than other people just because I'm, I'm 220 pounds, you know. Yeah. So I came down and I, I knew I was going to miss. Like I was looking at the smoke off in the distance like there's no way I was going to make it there. <laughs> so I'm like trying to slip. I thought I was going to land on Barcelona Road. Oh, but I fuck. didn't. I landed in a burnout patch that might as well have been hard as asphalt. And as yeah. I get up, I'm freaking gathering up my chute and whatnot. And then I look directly to my right, and there's like a five foot engineering stake sticking out of the ground. And I'm like, damn, if I had landed on that, I'd just been impaled. Dead. Dude, Harper, <laughs> Harper was telling me all the time he was jumping with recon out of second recon, and they jumped in and same thing, but he saw it. He saw yeah. the stake and he's like, oh, like trying to, you know, and he's, he was like, dude, they don't turn, you know, you hit it and it's like, it barely even moves. And he's like yeah, trying to like pull in like three risers. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And he said he almost hit one too, dude. That is sketchy as fuck. See, fuck that man. Like, and I wasn't going to get paid to do it. Were you getting paid? Fuck no, I wasn't getting paid. <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. talk to so many guys that get hurt and stuff doing that. You know, they come out with bad knees and bad back. My back's already messed up, but why fuck up my knees too? Exactly. Right. I don't know. Some guys are super into it. When I was, was your first Anglico again? I, that was my the beginning of my, the first six years of my career were with Anglico. So I went from fifth Anglico to first Anglico. Yeah. So that was like I was pissing fire and deploying and and you know yeah do all the most high speed low drag shit. And by the time I got to Lejeune, I was like, "Fuck the Marine Corps." <laughs> Honestly, if they if they had been like, "Hey, we're going to send you to free fall school," like I would have done that because I'm like, yeah. "That's practical." You know, you get something out of it. You get a you walk away with a license, a skydiving yeah. license. Yeah. You know, and but static line, what? No, I'm going to get yeah. beat up in the sky. And everybody I talk to that goes to jump school are like, "Dude, it's like they they've been teaching the same curriculum since like 1945. Like it's the same thing." I mean, you know, the you got so many students. I think our like our class, our company or whatever the hell they call them, you know, it was like 500 people. So it was a massive amount. And most of them are, you know, pipeline army guys. So they're privates and, you know, PFCs. And then you got the the Marines that are like, you know, of all kinds of varying rank and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was all right. Yeah. When did you go to like, jump school? 2009, I think. Yeah. I, everybody I talked to was like, dude, it sucks. They're like, it's the dumbest school I've ever been to. Yeah, it was a terrible school. <laughs> they're like i don't know why because some guys use it as a reenlistment incentive they're like i know i don't know why anybody would ever use that school as a reenlistment it incentive. sounds cool when you're sitting yeah. in the, you're sitting in the office trying to get you know someone to sign up for another four years they're like i will send you to jump out of airplane and you're like that sounds like i'm recon now i'm gonna go yeah. do that but it's not it's <laughs> the school it's not it's not like that. it's ba- it's it's built for privates coming out of yeah. the fucking army it's 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 it's, it's, it's airborne boot camp is what it is man yeah, I don't know. How's school going though, man? How's your classes? Good, good. I mean, uh, so this is the eighth semester straight for me at OSU. Are you doing summer school and everything? I have been. So this will be the first summer that I don't, I won't be enrolled because I'm going to do my internship in Dallas, Texas with uh, Ernst Young. It's a public accounting firm. They're the okay. third biggest in the world, I believe. I'm, wow. There's like the top, the big four are. EY, Deloitte, PwC, and KPMG. So I'm going to be working in EY's. It's called Risk Advisory Program. It's pre, it's consulting work. Oh, okay. Accounting consult. I don't really know even what I'm getting into. I'm just going to go fake it. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully they're not watching. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I, it, it's a, you know, what drew me to EY is it's a really good culture. Um, they're very laid back. You would think it, you know, you think public accounting and accounts that, you know, they'd probably be a little bit uptight and high strung, but they're like in their office in Dallas, you know, there's like, we don't have a real dress code. We don't show up in flip flops and a t-shirt, but you don't have to be suit and tie every day. You know, if you're yeah. going out with clients and they wear suit and tie every day, then obviously that's what you wear. But yeah, they play situation dictates. Yeah, they exactly situation dictates. They place a high priority on like individual motivation, ability to sell. Um, you know, if if somebody is relatable and charismatic. So I guess I don't know how I got through that interview, but it was a pretty robust. I mean, I started in September or no, actually August was the first time I went and talked to the EY recruiter and submitted my you know application for the internship, mm-hmm. and it was a four part. Like it was a application. Then you go and you meet with the, the the recruiter for the campus recruiter for EY, and then you go and do this virtual interview where you just like now like on Skype, you know, you answer questions that are pre-recorded, and then they invite you out for an office visit, and it's a three-part interview at the office visit, and then and then they offered me the internship, and that's just for an internship, not even for a job. But once you score the internship, as long as you don't, you know, as long as you don't mess it up, you probably will get offered a position, but. Is that paid for? Is the trip out there paid for by them? Yeah, they paid for me to go out to Dallas and do the office visit, um, and then they uh, the internship is a paid internship as well. I mean, it's EY. It's a it's a large company, so yeah, they take care of their interns. And then the last week of the intern, it's eight week internship. The last week is in Orlando, Florida, and they do like an intern conference where they bring all the interns for EY for all the offices across the states, mm-hmm. and they just do a big like a uh, like big conference and like what to expect from EY. It's a you know, it's a recruiting tactic for them. They they get yeah. people excited about the firm. Do you think uh, like what's going on and how it's messing up, messing with the economy is going to affect like what you're doing in the future? For sure, been worried about especially yeah. uh, especially. So there's there's three kinds of three areas of public accounting. There's tax, there's audit. Both those things are required by the federal government. The area I'm going into is consulting. So it, it's a service that isn't dictated by the government. So you kind of you have to sell it. And I'm worried with the contraction in the market that, you know, it creates a, you know, their revenue stream is going to be decreased. So but what do you mean when you're what are you going to be consulting? Like, what's the consultant gig? Like, what is it? So the 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 specific area of consulting I'm doing is called risk advisory. So it's the risk advisory program with EY. And what they do is they go into they they just advise businesses on where maybe if their if their IT structure isn't great and maybe there's a way that they can streamline it or make it better and, and reduce their expenses, then they kind of go in and just do a, a full overhaul of the system. They also provide a, a managed service that they sell to companies. So if you don't want to do all of the invoicing or, 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 or tracking of your day-to-day operations, then they can do that kind of thing for you. And I'm a little bit talking out of my ass because I haven't even started the internship yet. So <laughs> I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I had I that had that attitude going through the, the the process for the interview too. Like, hey, I know I know that I don't know what I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm I know I'm a little bit older than your traditional undergraduates mm-hmm. coming in, but I'm not coming in here with a big head thinking I can. You know, I know everything. You know, it's weird. I think being around young students, you know, like these 18 to 22 year olds, basically all day, um, it really may it really puts into perspective like what I know just based on life experience over what they know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Stuff that I take for granted that I'm like, well, you don't know that? Like, yeah, 
it's just stuff that we've done in the military that you've been exposed to and stuff like that or just over lifetime you know it's like it's crazy I tell the because I'm the I'm the treasurer of our undergraduate student veteran organization and so I'm always talking to student veterans and I'm like you know soft skills is what you have from the military your leadership and your you know your ability to accomplish tasks and and whatnot it, the hard skills that you're going to act you know despite whatever it is career field you're going into hard skills are acquired over time and you're yeah. going in just like any other 18 you know to 22 year old who's joining the the workforce um, you don't know anything. You know, just just come at it like that. You don't know it. But once you get into a manager position, that's when those soft skills that you glean from the military are really going to come into full force and help you to be a better manager, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're into that, you're. Yeah. I mean, in heading, my. Opinion, you're heading you're, into corporate America, bro. <laughs> if somebody wants to do that, if somebody wants to do what you're doing, what's what do you think is like the best pathway from the military? Let's say two years out from the military, what should they be doing? exactly what you and I did do online coursework as much as you can. Or if you have like an extension campus that you can go to and, and get, you know, that's one thing about the Marine Corps. You really have to like be self-driven to get that done, you know, yeah. because there's no incentive for you in the promotion process. No. I mean, there's some, you know, you can write in your, yeah, I went, I completed 13 credit hours, and, but the board is not going to look at that. They don't care. Uh, I mean, our MOS was so not very, it's not very competitive because there's so many guys would get out the, you know, the burn rate. They're just out of here. After yeah, exactly. They do a couple deployments. They're like, fuck this. You know, I'm gone all the time. <laughs> I'm getting out. So yeah, it's easier for us, but for some guys, maybe it is good. So two years out, start school. Start school. I think as soon as you, you know, maybe not the first year that you're in, but you hit the fleet, you've been there for six months and you don't have an, a, a deployment that you're prepping for on the horizon. You should start getting into whatever ability you have to take courses yeah because i think you have to wait a year to start using your is it um yeah i I think you have to wait a year to use your tuition assistance which (laughs) it makes sense you're learning your job yeah just be learning that so however you know i I wish more people would take like writing courses because motherfuckers cannot spell they cannot write you know their their grammar spelling and punctuation is just atrocious out the door not a high price placed on that nah man and I wish it was because it's super important especially when you get out like imagine if you sent in one of your resumes with like multiple misspellings or like you know grammar fucked up grammar like yeah it's not gonna happen you can't there's just you can't send professional emails with like I don't know some guys just don't care man I think I went through like probably four people I went there was a class at OSU a one credit hour like survey course that talked about building your resume and whatnot and then I went to two or three resume building workshops before I even started submitting resumes to any kind of companies that I wanted to work for but what what major points did you pull out of those because to me it feels like they're all they all tell you something different you know some will be like hey it needs to be two pages and this no only one page forever you know like and no you gotta put this down I mean, it's, I think it's driven a lot by the industry that you're trying to get into, you know, True. me, I mean, the top four accounting firms they, they receive, I don't even know how many applications or how many resumes and CVs they receive, but you know, one page is a hard and fast rule. Um, for us, it was, you know, you want to balance. That was the structure for me because, or the challenge for me, because a lot of undergraduate students, the, the, the work experience is, is really slim. So they have to try to buff it up, you know, but for me, I had so much and it was so military driven. So I had to craft that into civilian terms and then I had to shrink it down. So 
It, I wanted, they said perfect thirds. You want your education to be a third. You want your work experience to be a third. You want your volunteer service to be a third or your community service, whatever you want to call it. Something that's not paying you money and that's not, you know, not tied to your education. You think that's held in high regard? I don't know. I got a job, but <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I got from it. Like they want to see that you're like, you, you care about your community or that you're doing something or, you know, something or even something that you're interested in that you pursue. Like I'm in yeah. Mountaineers at Ohio state It's an undergraduate organization that does climbing and, and hiking and backpacking and that kind of stuff. And I'm active in the group. So that's all my CV. Yeah. You guys are always doing stuff. Well, you oh, were, it's great. Before. I mean, I did. I think I've done two actual trips with the Mountaineers group uh, from OSU, and then now I just did one um, for spring break with the, our undergraduate student veteran organization. So we had five people that went out and went climbing, um, and I led the trip. But it's a little. Sometimes if you're going like on a trip for an extended period of time with traditional undergraduate students, especially you know mountain climbers, you know, and people dirt bags as they call themselves are a pretty particular port, you know type of people in the first place so it's hard not to feel like you're so much older than everybody else so i yeah. like it oh yeah you liked it you like being the old dude i don't like being the old guy but that's why i'm more into doing trips with you know veterans and 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 yeah. people that are not necessarily my age but at least a little bit closer to my age yeah no nah, i feel you i don't mind being around young people um God, I sound like a fucking old ass even talking like that. Uh, youngins these days. I don't mind being around like the like the 18 to 22 year olds because I feel like it just keeps you young, you know? It keeps you yeah. you're talking to them about stuff, feel like you're learning about stuff you like my peer group is not going to talk about new apps and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Like uh and I think that's important is to constantly be looking forward to what's next and like prepping yourself for it, you know? Cuz I don't want to be that 80 year old dude that, you know, you see the guys that can barely use a phone. They don't understand it, you know? And it's like, I don't want to be that dude. So I'm trying to like stay on top of technologies and stuff. And being around young people is a key way to do that. Yeah. That's I think cool. that was a good thing about the military. I mean, I feel like, I feel like you have to, you know, in this day and age, like if you're not, if you're not, if you're not growing in the technology area, you're dying. Cause yeah. it's every day. It's something new. It's dude, it's getting weird, man. And, and it's, using my kids uh um vr headset his oculus i'm like this is it reminds i was telling him i was like he has this thing called vr chat right where you can walk into rooms and sit there and talk to people and stuff like that like they're all over the world yeah you walk in and you have an avatar they have an avatar and you just walk up to them and you're like what's up i walk in like some fucking noob idiot i walked like through a group on accident and stuff and they're like excuse (laughs) me like you hear them saying stuff but but I look at like the rooms and how the rooms are and how it's like super basic. It reminds me of the beginning of chat rooms, like on Yahoo, like when you had the messenger rooms yeah. and stuff like that. You know, or discussion boards, whatever they called them. Right. Yeah. Because um, in high school, my we didn't get a computer. I don't remember if my mom or my brother bought it, but we had this thing that hooked into the cable or to the phone line, and then you hooked it into a TV and you had internet. That's all it was. It wasn't like a normal computer where you could save shit, you, but you could browse the internet. Right. And I remember going on like Yahoo, like messenger boards and like <laughs> playing Yahoo pool and like all this stuff. Like Yahoo was my place. I had GeoCities. I don't know if you remember GeoCities. Oh, but but Ge- the, like that time frame, that GeoCities like time frame is what this is right now. And, you know, it's weird, man. It, I don't, I, I wonder what it's going to be like in 20 years. 
this VR stuff because it's crazy. Because twenty, yeah, it just and it's growing exponentially too. Like it just gets more and more advanced. Like it's it's hard to keep up with. Yeah, have you tried a headset out? Have you seen any of them? I have. So I have the uh, I have the PlayStation VR. Mm, how's that? Uh, it's pretty sweet. I mean, yeah. uh, my brother got it before I did, and I played it on his system once, and I was like immediately hooked. I was like, I went out and bought like the whole headset and everything, and <laughs> I, I was like hardened hardened the paint on it for like a month, and then. Now it sits up in my, you know, it sits next to my TV. It never really gets used at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it just straight gaming or? I used it for gaming. I said, that's all I did on it. Like, PlayStation I, I never, makes VR specific games? Yeah, there's like a, it's like a robot game. You can like look, you, so if you, if you wear the headset with it, it's like full sensory deprivation and it, it like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. I'll wear these headphones with his and yeah. play sometimes and you'll move and you'll like kind of almost like you're going to fall over. Cause you think you're actually moving your body's like, Whoa, it's, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's super weird. Um, I was playing, he just got this new game where you fly around, you're in a spaceship and you look down and one hand's on the gas and one hand is like on another stick. And when you move forward, like you give him more gas, you can watch it move forward, but you're flying around looking and locking <laughs> onto other spaceships and shooting at them with missiles and shit. That's Dude, crazy. it is, it's wild. It's wild. I was like, dude, I gotta sit down for this. Like, I'm gonna, I feel yeah. like I'm gonna fall over because I'm like all over the place. The first time I did it, I was, I had, I had like, like lightweight vertigo. Yeah. Like, Whoa, what's happening? Uh, I took an edible one time and <laughs> did it. And I'm like, this is too much. Like, I this, this thing too, off. I can't do this. It's too much. Yeah, I started getting that like seasickness feeling. I'm like, oh, because it, it's just so weird. It's like if. Um, did you ever do that driving simulator that some of the bases have where you're surrounded by TV screens and you're in like a Humvee? No. And it, you're moving, but the Humvee is not actually moving. So everything's like moving. So it makes you feel sick. Like, cause you know, you're not moving, but everything else is. Yeah. Some people get sick from that. I think it's I did like the, a convoy trainer. I did the, um, no, that was just, I just did the rollover trainer on Lejeune. That's all that was. No, nah, this is, this is something completely different. This is like a convoy trainer where you got a dude that's like can be in. He's a gunner. He can be up in the fifty cal and just standing there. And you're in front of this massive like big screen, almost like being an SAVT kind of, yeah. but with yeah. a Humvee. And you can like attack shit. And you're in a convoy. Like there's like multiple people and multiple vehicles have them. So you're was all it, like cruising in a convoy. Was this in Pendleton when you did this, or was it in Lejeune? Uh, Pendleton had it. I know. I want to say when I went to MOS school when I was a mechanic, thirty five twenty one. Oh, that's motor right. You're not, you're not a pure blood. Motor to what? Motor to. Uh, um, I was at Camp Johnson, 2006. Let me tell you, it. Um, now they had a they had a convoy trainer because you have to learn. You have to get a driver's license or you have to get a license. You get it. It's a shitty license too. It's a shop use only, meaning you can only drive it like around the lot and stuff. <laughs> you can't even like drive it out on the road on the base, dude. That's the shitty part about being a mechanic in the Marine Corps. You're sitting there. <laughs> You're fixing everything else that everybody else fucked up. You don't ever actually get to go you and fuck it up yourself. Break it yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or at least being a mechanic with MLG. I imagine it's different for guys that are with like the battalions and stuff like that because they go to the field and shit. Well, dude, the Mex at Anglico had it great. The what? The Mex at Anglico that worked like at no. Anglico. No way, dude. Those dudes are always working. That's true. They are always working, but they. I feel like they got treated well. You know, I talked to him a couple times. I talked to one kid before he lap moved to be a six one. Um, 
because I had obviously I had done it. So we we talked a little bit. They, I mean, I tried to take out support guys anytime I could to go shoot and stuff like that, which yeah. you're not getting at you know maintenance battalion. That's not going to happen, or even tenth yeah. marines. Yeah, we would like the the headquarters battery. We would always take guys from headquarters battery. Like if you came, like if you were willing to hump out to pull us to the range and go shoot, then you come with us. You know, we always. Yeah. Well, there was never a lack of ammo when I was at first. It was like no. We were just talking about that. We talk. I talk. I've talked about it multiple times, but people don't. It. It. You know, it's a shitty feeling when you get out and you actually have to pay for ammo. There's no way I could afford to shoot like we shot while we, while I was at first angle go. Yeah, for sure. Because we would schedule it, ranges constantly. Get tired of shooting. You have right, you're like so much ammo left over at the end. You're just like doing trigger reset drills. I have definitely seen guys that are like, dude, fuck this. I'm done. I don't want to shoot anymore. I had some S1 kids come out to a range with us one time, and they're like, I'm done. Like, I, I was like, hey, we got a couple cans of 240 ammo left over here if you guys want to shoot. <laughs> 240, a machine gun, right? Yeah, right. And I'm like, hey, guys, hey, it's the S1 dudes that came out. I'm like, hey, uh, you guys want to come shoot You know, the, uh, the last two cans or three cans? Like, oh, I'm not really feeling it, Staff Sergeant. I'm like, well, you can either do that or fucking start police calling. They're like, we'll police call. And I'm like, get the the hell out of here. That's crazy. Blew my mind, dude. They did not want to shoot. I mean, there's been times when I've, you know, put so many rounds down range that I'm just like, fuck shooting anymore. I'm tired. I haven't fired a round since I've been out of the Marine Corps. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Eh, I go shoot every once in a while. I don't shoot enough. Like, I want to shoot more, but. I don't have a gun, so. Dude. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. I got a gun on the wall. I got a stack of gun, guns in there. I don't have any tactical <laughs> guns, though. <laughs> you know, all mine are like old school shotguns. Like I have on the wall, I have, that's a, um, that's a, um, I almost said Mossberg. It's not a Mossberg. That's a. You uh, like cool if it was. <laughs> well, no, yeah. I have a uh, Stoughton. That's what it, no, it's not Stoughton. What is it? Oh, Stoger. Stoger coach gun. I have a Stoger coach gun up on the wall that my advisor team at the end, we bought. We did a group order. They engraved the uh, um, our our logo for our advisor team was uh, or our call sign was Guinness. So nice. we we made a logo that was the EGA that it, it, you know put into the Guinness logo, and then nice. on the um, by the breach it says Operation Enduring Freedom like engraved into it. Um, so we did that. I, I got that, and I have actually another Stoger what shotgun. What did you guys? What did you guys end up paying a piece to get it? Oh, dude, I don't remember. They weren't that bad though. It's a good deal. Like if you do it, I'll tell you, man, it's a pain in the ass because we've I've got that one, and I set it up. I was like, hey guys, we should do this. You know, everyone's like, hey, we should do this, but someone yeah, actually has to be like, good idea until you actually have to do it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I've done this before. I'll do it. And the only reason I did it was because it was a small team. Yeah. But even that, like, you're like, hey, I want to get this. I think we should do this. And everyone's like, we should do this. No, we should do this. Like, we should yeah, have this option. You could have done it. <laughs> and I'm like, look, man. Yeah. It's, so I did what we ended up doing with Stoger Coach Gun option and the Stoger Uplander. And that's a, they're both double barrel shotguns or both side by side, double barrel, like classic, you know, old school shotguns. Um, and then I also, before, when I was with 3.6 in 2011, I did the, uh, I did the we we did Sig two two six. You could either do a two two six combat two two six P combat, or God, what was the other one? The other one was a cheaper one, but it was like a convertible. Like you could switch it from nine mil to forty five or something like that. I, I believe I don't remember, but dude, that I again I was like we should do a pistol, 
and and no one wanted to do it and i was like i'll fucking do it because i think this is a super cool idea and i had never done that before and i did it for the entire battalion oh my god dude one uh people wanted to do other stuff one company ended up doing their own pistol as well two i contacted sig and i was like hey here's the logos here's the designs i sent everything to them everything's good to go i sent out order forms to everybody like hey save your emails for receipts like all this stuff you know, I think we bought like $60,000 worth of pistols. Oh and God. and this is the SIG 226 combat is, I think on their website, it's like 1200 bucks or something ridiculous. For, for me, it was like after tax, after all the fees. I was in North Carolina at the time too. So, you know, you got to pay the fee there. I think it was like 860. So it came with a really good discount. Yeah. The other pistol, though, everything, every, it also great discount. Everything was good. Problem was, the guy sent me an image and was like, "Hey, man, is this okay?" And he had the wording all fucked up. Like they had changed the wording around. It was like Tufelhunden Operation Freedom, blah blah blah. And I'm like, "No, dude, that that won't work." And he's like, "Well, we've already started making the slides for the pistols." And I'm like, "Well, we stop. <laughs> sucks to suck, man." Well, because of that, he had to turn around and make like 500. And they had to like throw like 500 slides away and yeah. start over again. And that obviously delayed it. And people start hitting me up. They're like, hey, where's the pistol at? I'm PCSing. I'm EASing. How am I doing this? And I, so I got all these people hitting me up. Hey, uh, pistols are, are here. I'm sending out emails. Like, go get your pistols. Dudes are like, they said I don't have one. I'm not on the list. I'm like, where's your, you know, where's your receipt? I didn't keep it. Like, hey, man, you know, like, <laughs> dude, total drama. It was a pain in the ass. And the only, like I said, the only reason I did it for my advisor team also was because it was only like, there was less than 20 of us. So, right. Yeah. That's a little bit more manageable. You guys didn't do anything like that for your deployments? I know a no, lot they, of you did. The, the 24th you did, they did a 9 11. Everybody uh, does the 19 11. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. 19 11. Yeah, but one? it was like, I, th- I think, I mean, I've never bought. I've never bought a firearm in my entire life. What? So I don't know. I didn't know what to expect as far as cost, but I think they were, it was the same thing. I think it was around like 800 bucks or something. Hmm. Uh, maybe it was even a little cheaper than that. I think it was like a lot of units do the Kimber. That's like a pretty yeah. popular one. Yeah. You've never owned a gun. Never. Does your family and no one in your family owns guns? I mean, I think my dad had a 22 when I was growing up, man, it's uh, weird in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. At least somebody, I, you know, I didn't, my, my mom and dad didn't own any. And then when I got into like right before high school, my uncle gave me a shotgun because I would go out with him shooting. I'd go hunting with them. So right. that was my first gun. I have that. That's another one of the guns I have. You know, it's a single right. shot, 12 gauge. So all my guns are like shotguns and like nothing tactical. I got a 22 rifle. What do I have? I don't know. Maybe some fell in the lake. I don't <laughs> no remember. Need, no need to disclose. <laughs> those, those, those boating accidents. Nothing tactical yeah, right. though. Yeah. I, you know, I shot my fucking m4 and you know back when i first came in the m16 so so much it's like yeah my brother-in-law has one and he's like you're not gonna you should get one man i'm like dude they're expensive as fuck <laughs> mine's in the armory you know like for a long time that's what it was like i don't need one dude i, I shoot it all the time yeah but now i'm kind of like eh, it'd be kind of cool to have but it's just expensive to yeah. uh, one get it to where you want it to be probably you know that's another expensive hobby to get into shooting. yeah uh, so that's expensive and two ammo and I live in California. So now yeah. in California, every time you go buy ammo, you have to get a background check. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> and the first time you do it, if you, if you've never bought or you've never registered a weapon in California, it's like 19 bucks you have to pay and it can take up to 30 days. 
for the background <laughs> check to come back to get ammo. Right. That's crazy. That's <sighs> Dude. It's yeah, like, worth driving to Yuma to get ammo and come back. You got a plan to go shooting like two months in advance. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I keep ammo, so luckily right. I'm okay. Like canned food. How are you guys doing on food out there? Is the uh, grocery stores crazy? I was in the grocery store yesterday, and it was like all kinds of fresh produce, all kinds of fruits and vegetables. Um, it was a little low on meat. I think people have been you know, buying up the meat as it comes available, paper products as always. I, mean, I think that's a similar across the I don't the get country. that. I don't, I don't either. I don't either, but like, yeah, it's crazy. I'm almost out of paper towels, but I'm like, like, I, you know, if I run out and they don't have any at the store, I'll just use a rag. I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to fight anybody. I have towels. I have like regular cloth towels. There's this thing yeah. called cloth, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. if I run out of toilet paper, I can still use a cloth towel. <laughs> yeah. We're eating steaks over here right now. Cause they didn't have any ground beef at the store, really? but yeah, yeah. Eh, I mean, that, whatever. It's not a terrible situation to be in. There's worse, you know, first world problems, right? Yeah, it is a first world problem for sure. It's a first world like uh, crises for sure. Imagine this being in this crisis and being in like Honduras, you know, or Haiti or, any, you know, name a shitty country. I don't know. If, I've never been to either one of those countries, so I don't want to say they're shitty, but I've heard Haiti's not very nice. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can I feel like we can safely assume Haiti's, you know, not of the most enjoyable countries to visit. Did you ever go there? I've never been to Haiti, no. No. Yeah. But I have my... Which is strange because Dominican Republic, there's like all kinds of resorts and whatnot where people go to visit there, and it's the same fucking island. Like yeah, same I, I never, I never got that when the earthquake happened. Like, how far apart are these areas? Because it didn't affect, did it not affect the Dominican Republic. I remember the earthquake happened; I mean, they had to send the Mew out there to help them out. Yeah, but you never hear about Dominican Republic. But it's the same fucking island. <laughs> is the Dominican Republic a U.S. territory? Oh, dude, I don't know. I can't. Dude, I feel like question. I should know this. Hold on, I'm gonna look this up. I feel like I should too. Yeah, I've never. Uh, I never went to the Dominican Republic. I went to. I think, uh, it, I think it is a U.S. territory. You think it is? Haiti is not right. So I uh, know. I don't think. Uh, no, I don't think Dominican Republic is. No, it's a country in the Caribbean. So there it's some country. I wasn't sure. We have all those weird little <clears throat> territories, so it's hard to tell yeah. sometimes. I mean, have I you ever still, been to the Bahamas? I've never been to the Bahamas. No. No. Down, down, down into that area. I did a cruise one time. It flew. We had to fly to Puerto Rico. It came out of Puerto Rico for whatever reason. And it, luckily, it was when I was out on the East Coast still, so it wasn't too much. Yeah. But I did like a six or seven day cruise one time and hit like St. Lucia. Saint, I went to that uh, beach where the planes take off like right across the street yeah. from the beach. Like I still. Yeah. We remember walking down to the beach like, oh, look at this big open area. There's nobody here. Let's set up our stuff. You know, because <laughs> there's no like air traffic or anything at that time. And I thought it was down just a little bit farther. And yeah. then a plane came out and taxied out and it turned and I wasn't looking, but I got that smell like you get when you're on the flight yeah. line. And I'm yeah. like, oh shit. And I'm like, everyone starts like doing stupid shit. I'm like, just do take a knee and put your back to it. And it yeah. like, thrusters on. I'm just like, ah, all the sands kick it up. Like I was <laughs> sandblasted. I was like, yeah, let's move down. Some guy that was there, some other guy that was out there lost his passport in the ocean. Like all this stuff was just getting flown, you know, thrown into the ocean. Jeez, why would you even bring your passport to the beach? I was like, why did we come to this fucking beach, man? Like, cause, uh, <laughs> some, one of the people that we were with were like, we should go to this beach. It's famous because of this. And I remember going down there like, oh, cool. You know, it's just, I'll tell you what though, when that didn't happen or after that was done, I went swam out probably a hundred yards off the coast maybe 200 yards and it's just so clear like yeah. you could see like 20 feet down man you can see all the fish swimming around and shit 
I've never seen water that clear before. That's how it was on Oki. Yeah. Crystal clear blue down to the reef. Yeah. I mean, it's known for diving. Did you do diving out there? Uh, no, I snorkeled. And, I mean, I was stationed there for two years, so I should have. It's one of my great yeah. gore not getting scuba certified when I was an Oki. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that do. There's a... Yeah, there's all these little regrets. You're like, damn, I really should have taken advantage of that situation. Like, <laughs> exactly. I was in Singapore, but I stayed blacked out the whole time. Damn it. <laughs> Why? Why did I do this to myself again? Could have went to some tours or some shit. <laughs> yeah. No. Did Did you ever go to Hong Kong or no? You, uh, have you been to China or anything? Never. I've never been to China. I've been studying it for free. I was supposed to go this summer. So yeah. he the global student exchange. Um, and they always do every summer they do uh, exchanges on the eastern seaboard of China with one of their offices because EY is a global company. So they have EY China. Um, so they'll send Chinese interns over to our office and then, you know, we would go there. But, yeah, no, this year they they didn't like even they canceled. Actually, the entire global student exchange got canceled. So yeah. all of the countries, you know, not just. Ours not too. Yeah. yeah. So all of our uh, study abroad programs are yeah. also canceled. Students are starting to be like, hey, where's my fucking money back? Where's my money back for parking, for these facility fees that we're not using anymore? Like, you tell me I'm paying this fee because of the opportunities I get because of this program. Students are starting to – I was on the uh, SDSU Reddit page, and dude, that's where people are like, what the fuck, man? We're getting kicked out of housing within 24 hours. Like, they should pay us back. and They should definitely pay people back for the housing. I want yes. money back for parking because it's one hundred seventy five dollars a semester to park at SDSU. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't pay, I don't pay park. But at OSU, if, for parking, you are you're fucked because uh, OSU doesn't control the parking on OSU. It's Campus Park, which is a private company. Oh, really? So I guarantee you, they are not going to get people money back. You know what? I think it's probably a private company here too. <laughs> it probably is. They also, well, I don't know. They hire um, those. Um, they hire like they have they have contracted parking attendants come out like it's an event, and it'll be yeah. like a regular day at school, and you'll see them out there like directing traffic. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what are we wasting money on these people for? I mean, no offense, like that's good that you guys have a job, but you're literally yeah. telling me to turn at the stop sign. Like I, <laughs> I, I got it. <laughs> I know where the parking garage is right there. I see it. <laughs> exactly. And they stand at the entrance of the parking garage. They don't do anything. They're not checking anything. I don't. I don't get it. But whatever. Yeah. That's why we pay so much to go to school. Well, we don't pay anything. That's why other people pay so much to go to school. <laughs> Do you have any classes where you're like, dude, I'd be pissed if I was paying for this? Yeah. A lot of the core, pretty much any core. Actually, no. I mean, all the classes that I took, all the general education credits that I had to clean up that weren't done with my associates that I got while I was in the Marine Corps. Um I always bitched about them, but I yeah. always enjoyed them too. Like I had to take uh, architecture 2300, which is pretty much just a, it's the baseline architecture course. Hmm. And it was actually a pretty hard course. And oh, I'm not really? good at like diagramming and drawing. Like that's not my, that's not my game. But I mean, I, I enjoyed the information I got from the course. I don't know if I'll ever use it in the future other than like, you know, trivia, but. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you learn like AutoCAD and stuff like that? Or is that something different? No, this, the, the, for this was just like a study of, Part of it was like historical architecture and then part of it was like diagramming and then part of it was, you know, writing papers about, you know, different architectural items in Columbus and around the area. So it was fun. It was I mean, it was it was informative. But Hmm. I had one of my uh, one of my classes, the professor, 
for the first two days of the class, she played a video that she had taken off of History Channel and had like stolen from the History Channel because it was like on a VHS. Like you could tell it was a VHS recording. It was it, the class is the principles of advertising. And for the first two days, we watched this like 19, maybe 2000, we'll say 2004 probably is when this video came out called the history of advertising. And I'm like, dude, if I was paying for this, I'd be fucking pissed. Like we're watching an old, old ass history channel show. That's literally what you're teaching me. And we've had a couple classes where she's played a video like that. And I'm like, this is crazy. Okay. So going to online class for hers, I'm a, like I said, I'm a liberal arts guy. I'm in uh, the uh, writing field. So being online is not hard for me. It's like, Hey, you need to write a story about this. Like, okay. And then I just write it. The hardest, the hardest class for me for the online transition is Chinese. So, oh yeah, but there's only seven of us that are that are because everybody that's taking, you know, the, I'm in forty one oh two now. So it's the everybody that's in the course is is in the major. So yeah. there's not us. Uh, Do you guys talk on so Skype and stuff? Now they have what's it's Carmen Zoom is what they're using. Mm. It's pretty much like a virtual meeting. Yeah, it's, it's like Skype. It's the same thing. Yeah. But, we sit here and then we'll be, it, I've already opened it up and like, make sure it's like working on my computer and everything. So I think it'll be okay. It, it's, it's not ideal, but you know, I'm pretty happy with. It sucks. You don't get to go to China. Ah, dude. Yeah, I know. And like, what it part, sucks on so, on a lot of levels. What part was, uh, where were you going to be going to? I was trying to go like Shanghai, uh, like Hangzhou, Suzhou, like the Eastern seaboard, anywhere on the Eastern seaboard, I would have been happy with just somewhere. I could have got a little bit of, you know, exposure with Mandarin and, and 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 build my language skill but do you think that's weird going to like a communist country like that as a former military person you know being in the military i was worried that it was like gonna be hard for me to get a visa yeah but uh no i mean all of the all the chinese people that i've met like native chinese that i've met and, and spoken with like i mean both of our countries are pretty equally socialist i think <laughs> I mean, nah, they, you, no they, way. You think so? the American the American government has 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 you know and in, in the in the the monitoring on social media platforms and how they market to people like it's much more business oriented. You know, mm-hmm. they they monitor your personal information and they 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 use it to sell things to you more in America than I think in China. They give you you know it's a behavioral score. You know, it's like. Well, the government doesn't do that. The government doesn't collect the data to sell stuff to you. Businesses do. Right, but the, I mean, it's what, what difference? What difference does it make if it's the government or the business? Well, I mean, in the U.S., the businesses are separate from the government on some on some fronts. Like Google's very against like being involved with the Department of Defense right now. Yeah. There's something and recently I, that just came out on that. You couldn't have that in China. That's the whole deal with you know Huawei and 5G. Huawei. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's a state-owned enterprises. People out here are idiots, man. There's a Encinitas, California, just voted to not allow 5G towers in their city because they're afraid of the uh, effects from the from the 5G <laughs> network. I'm like, it's, they don't cause cancer, they don't cause tumors. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, I thought the main concern was the monitoring of the 5G network that that with Huawei. No, 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 no. Out here, they're talking about for like Sprint putting up a 5G like cell tower. That's what they outlawed. Not Huawei. This was specific, not because of Chinese interference. They're more concerned about the health effects of 5G. Uh, I didn't even know there was health effects of 5G. <laughs> there, exactly. There's not. There was like some kind of like conspiracy theory going around that 5G caused tumors and like all this I stuff. But conspiracy. I think it's been, 
I think that's been fully debunked. It's rampant. Yeah. It's, 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 it's almost, it's all, it's almost, you have to just say it's humorous at this point, like how crazy people are. You know, you just have to, I don't know. I read too many Facebook comments and I'm just like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with people? People, people are the worst. You know what I'm saying? Like you see like how people talk to each other online and I'm somebody that's been online, you know, since GeoCities, you know, like, <laughs> I was in GeoCities chat with them. <laughs> I just see how people talk. I'm just like, dude, you guys are fucked up, man. And, and obviously, it's a skewed perspective of people that are come online and talk to each other. But because I, yeah. I read all the political articles, you know, I read a lot of the like world news and stuff like that. And I'm like you, I've been watching the daily briefings. I don't, yeah. I don't understand why people would rather go to a news source and watch it rather than watch the actual like event so that you can get the entire. Because right. the speeches, you're right, they were, they've been very informative like yeah. i think i'm not a i'm not a trump fan like i'm not uh i did vote for for him in 2016 but that's only because i hated hillary clinton yeah and, uh, it's very much a never trumper and i mean but i'm i'm pretty impressed with the way that the president and, and governor dewine here in ohio have responded to coronavirus i'm you know i think they're doing a good job I'm, even I'm well even california man governor uh newsom who yeah. is no fan of trump's yeah for um, sure was on the news talking like they've given us everything we've asked for. They've been faster than we expected. Like, you know, he's been singing the praise of the federal government too. So, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff you want to hear that's happening. So that's good. But it's unfortunate yeah, that- to be some kind of like crazy, you know, situation that causes the government to come together and, and support each other. But like, hey, maybe we just won't be assholes to each other as much for a little bit. Well, I mean, now, now they're trying to make out the whole Trump calling the virus the China virus, fucking being as being racist or the Chinese virus as that being was, racist. That, that was retaliatory to the Chinese official who was saying that it was first, you know, gotten by an American military member, right? Yeah, it was Which introduced is, by the U.S. Army. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't fault him for trying to designate the point of origin. The individual. And I don't even know who it was, but it's, uh, it was a, a representative or a senator. But that was saying that calling it, referring to it as the Kung Flu virus—that's probably a little bit racist. But I mean, also, I also find it humorous. And I study Chinese, and I feel like I'm sympathetic to the Chinese cause more than most Americans. So, like people, people are like, "That's racist." But if a comedian was like, "We got the Kung Flu here this week," they'd be dying. Yeah, they'd be like, "Oh, it's hilarious." Right, exactly. I, you're right. A senator shouldn't be saying that. I don't think it's appropriate to be saying. And and Trump even said, you know, I don't know if he said it was inappropriate or not. He they it's, did bring that up to him. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Like he, the the reporter who asked the question, she wouldn't identify the source of who said it. So he was like, well, I'm not gonna. You know, you just Comment saying something from my administration or somebody from the government. Like you could have just made it up, which maybe yeah. it is just made up. Yeah. I was pretty upset that he he said he, he he was singing the praises of of, of Senator Cotton. From Arkansas, because that guy's see a that. he was yeah. saying, uh, I can't remember what specific. Well, so originally when coronavirus was breaking out, Senator Cotton was was on C-SPAN talking about um, the possibility that that this virus had been weaponized in Wuhan because there's a facility near there. And I mean, that's yeah, that's, I heard that. That's terrible. Like you can't you can't sit on the Senate floor and like hatch just just make things up you know you can't just yeah just spread rumor that's not that's not helpful to not anybody. in 2020 when everything immediately goes online like that exactly. clip gets replayed a million times you know yeah. in a million different places yeah but i mean it's both sides of the aisle too because it's yeah. uh hank johnson 
was the guy who – and he's been reelected since then. But he made the comment when the military was trying to move forces from Okinawa to Guam and he was concerned. And there's a video on it. I'm concerned that if the sudden influx of population to Guam, the island might actually tip over and capsize. And he was like completely serious about <laughs> it too. Serious. So he's laughing right. But he's, everybody's clowning him. And then he got reelected still. So, I mean, what is, it doesn't even matter. Those are the people go, we have in our government. <clears throat> Name man. recognition. People get elected, man. Name recognition. Yeah, that, that's 100% it. If yeah. you can get your name out there, if you have the money to put like your name on billboards and signs and like commercials and stuff like that, then that's how you get you can win. Yeah. Especially if you have a strong like Democrat area, like it's all Democrats. Yeah. You know? If it's like 50-50, then it's harder, obviously. But if it's like we know a Democrat's going to win this area, yeah. then, then the yeah, primary recognition election. helps. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, the virus. I'm um, I'm planning on doing more podcasts, so that's good. I'm going up on to L.A. actually on Saturday to do nice. a guy's podcast called the Armbar Podcast. Um, it's uh, I think it's he was a third Anglico guy. I think it's more geared to like martial arts and stuff, but they just wanted to have me on, and I was like, all right, I'll go talk. I mean, I'm not a martial artist at all. You know, <laughs> I did Taekwondo when I was a kid. Watch out. C-slash, um, get back, get back. <laughs> what's up? Green belt, what? <laughs> what, what? What? I got my green belt in Iraq. Thank you, Sergeant Gay, uh, <laughs> my instructor for that. Appreciate that. He beat the fuck out of us out there. He had, he's, he's like, he was one of my best friends out there on the East Coast, and he, uh, it probably one of the best shaped dudes I ever saw. Like, he's always jacked, you know. And yeah. we would go, we were in Iraq. This dude would take us on pack runs in the desert and it's like summertime. We're just like, fuck, like making us go to this green belt this? course, which tells you like how easy Iraq was for me. I was doing a green belt course, you know, running, running around with my yeah. pack on. Shit. My, second my second deployment in Iraq was 2008. I was in, I was at Haditha Dam and we would run the dam. Like it was just a, it was a PT deployment is all we did. We just PT. That would have been super interesting. Could you walk into the dam and like, just yeah. like explore? Yeah, and they were, it was a, it was during the drawdown too. So like the there was way less people at the dam, American forces. So the gym, this massive gym inside the dam, and we could go in there and work out. It was a good time. Was the whole was the whole dam open for you to like go into? I, I mean, well, was it an operating dam? Yeah, it was an operating dam. But uh. it, so there were specific sections that still like were like un, you know for the dam operation. But the majority, of, like there was a lot, like all the defects were inside the dam. The gym was inside the dam. The, wow. Post office was inside the dam. There was a lot of the higher ups offices were inside the dam. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so the <laughs> dam itself was a fucking just a base. It was a fob. Yeah, for sure. That's weird, man. That would have been super cool to see. I wonder if Kajaki was like that. Did you ever go up to Kajaki? I had no. No. There. Man. Yeah. I, I TQ, man. I, I was on the desert side of TQ. So we... I'd stare at the flight line, you know, I'd see medevac <laughs> birds coming in. I'd see birds coming in, dropping supplies off our, our little facility where I was a mechanic at was on the very end of the flight line. So we were, you know, there was nothing out there. There was like a, a shitty little like mini PX that you could walk to that didn't have anything in it, you know, <laughs> but you'd still go by to it, go check it out. Cause you know, There's what else, else you going to fucking do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it, it was funny. Like they, three month old magazines, you know, would just be stacked up like nothing good, but, um, and then the defect, the defect was the only cool thing to do and hang out in the cans. 
Did you guys, did they have mid rats when you were there? They had mid rats. I didn't really go to mid rats. I've never mid rats. And I'll tell you mid rats on a defect is way better than mid rats on a ship. Oh, mid rats on a ship is garbage. Mid rats on a ship is like, here's some frozen chicken nuggets. Apple. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a rotten apple and some frozen chicken nuggets. My bad. Have a good night. And they're having shrimp and lobster. Dude, what a garbage ass um, like thing. Like the food on ship was just, how many mews did you do? Did you just do one? Just one. That's all I ever wanted. I never wanted to do another mew after that mew. It's terrible. How was your birthing situation? It was like, I think there was 260 of us. So you had like that mid level. Were you on the big deck? Yeah, we were. We were on the big. Yeah, we were on the LHD, and we were like, we were like towards the front of the ship. I think. Yeah. Were and you we were, like right behind the right behind the mess decks, and then like yeah. one deck above it? Yeah. 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 That's the. That's usually where the uh, the BLT birthing and stuff is. is. That who you were with at the time, or were you I was with, with Angle? I was with the command element. Oh, you fucking loser! So I was yeah. the fire chief. So the first time I was there on the Mew, the command element was on this shitty little birthing on the same deck as the, uh, as the chow or as the mess decks. And dude, it was so small. It, we had 110 people in there, three showers. I think maybe it was two showers, maybe three, it was three showers, two toilets and like two sinks. You oh, know? That's terrible. And we had so many people in there that we had guys living in the overflow bunks. You know, the, the fourth rack that had, you couldn't yeah. store anything in it. So, you know how they had those weird little lockers that you could put like brooms and stuff in around the birthing area that became yeah. dudes gear lockers that lived in the overflow bunks <laughs> and our, our fucking the company gunny or the headquarters, like uh what do you call them? The commandant headquarters commandant dude. That was like the company gunny for the headquarters nerds. Right. wouldn't go to the infantry guys to see if we could put some guys in their birthing, even though they had space, he was just kept shoving dudes into ours. <laughs> It was miserable. It was disgusting. Like everyone got sick. This that's why this whole this whole thing reminds me of people getting sick on ship. Yeah. And did you guys have that happen? The VGE. I mean, we had the double dragon. I think we had the the average amount of illness on our ship. Hmm. I think it was crazy. I think we so on ship. You always hear about these cruise ships that they're like, oh, eight hundred people are seasick or have like food poisoning. Blah blah blah. That's yeah. the double dragon, and that shit goes. That happens on a deployment. On our deployment, I've had one deployment happen three times during the workup and deployment, and one deployment only happened once, or twice. I think it happened twice, and it's just the worst. I, I never got it, luckily, but you hear dudes just shitting and puking and just like screaming, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. fucking yeah. miserable. Yeah, I mean, luckily and, on the big deck, it was. I, I, the swell was never too bad. Mm-hmm. I, I just, a couple times I popped over on the what is it a little one the LSD yeah the little one <clears throat> that thing moves especially like in the med you were like it was pretty good movement but I was also in a birthing with only other I think it was five other staff and COs so it wasn't too bad but yeah um, that's how they were on ours like that too yeah some guys some guys did not weather the the like they were a little bit more susceptible to seasickness than others. Yeah. Were you uh East Coast or West Coast Mew? I was East Coast Mew. So I was on the twenty fourth with six where was, Marines. Where was like the worst part? Like for the weather wise and like the ship Med, I feel like the Mediterranean was the worst. Really? Yeah. I feel like yeah, my, that's we got the most of our I don't know if it was just the season or but um there was a couple times during the workup when we were like right off the right off the Atlantic coast when it was we got a little bit of swell. Yeah, it's known to be a pretty shitty area. 
for for yeah. boats. Yeah. Yeah. And we I know well, one time we had a sailor that I don't know I can't remember if he jumped overboard or fell overboard, but like they didn't oh, find fuck. out until uh, several, you know, like 6 or 7 hours later that he was actually missing. Oh, so no they, way. They used weather patterns to figure out where he would have like or ended up. And then they were steaming, like full steam ahead to try to get to where they thought he was at. They found him, actually. No way. Yeah, they got him out Holy of the water. Holy shit. Yeah. Was he alive? He was alive, yeah. Holy shit, dude. We had an Osprey go into the water, and the crew chiefs ditched out the back. Yeah. And one of the guys' um, vest didn't inflate. One of the crew chiefs' vest didn't work or something happened, and his buddy was holding on to him. And he because they were wearing you know sappy plate they were flying they were running missions this is very beginning of oir they were running missions into iraq yeah and uh yeah his buddy couldn't hold on to him and let him had to let him go dude and fucking we never found him talk about survivor guilt oh dude oh man it was rough man i knew the the pilot like i didn't know him like well but i knew like working as a jtac with him and stuff like that like he was an old first anglico dude too and it yeah. just that yeah, sucks but what happened was is there was some kind of maintenance mode that the aircraft can be switched onto. Yeah. And when it does that, it only gets like 70% power or something. Like it doesn't get the full amount of power it's supposed to. Uh, but there was no indicating light to tell you that it's on. Right. Uh, so they're on the flight deck and they're getting ready to take off and he doesn't know. And he goes to take off and you know how they lift up and then they peel off to the side of the ship and then they go. Yeah. Right. Well, when it went off to the side, it lost altitude and started going into the water and they're just fighting the aircraft and it went into the water. They pulled it out of the water, went back down and they told them to ditch. The pilots told the crew chiefs to ditch and they yeah. ditched. It took off. They dumped fuel and then they ended up landing it back. And then, like I said, they only recovered uh, one of the crew chiefs. But yeah. um, so what, what? Yeah. Yeah. They, they got it back up on the ship. Um so say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill what happened was that indicator or there was no indicator or something like that this had this was something that had just come up like as an issue in the fleet like i think hmx or somebody you know one of the units was like hey this is an issue we need to let people know about it and it was supposed to be disseminated amongst the fleet it got to the 11th mew and the guy that was supposed to uh tell everyone about it, give a briefing about it, got, got, um, food poisoning. So he was SIQ and they pushed the briefing back a couple days and that ended up, and it ended up being like the fucking, from what I understand, if someone's out there that knows something different, that's what I understand is is how it happened. Um, but fuck man. Yeah. That that sucks. Yeah. There's no, there's no good there. (sighs) No, they didn't recover him. Like, People got real upset too because we only stayed for 24 hours and they're like, hey, we can't find them. Like, we're going. There were other ships that stayed with like sonar capabilities and stuff like that. They pushed out a bunch of support, but our ship had to continue on because we had like an actual mission going on. Yeah. You know, so, but there were people that weren't very happy about it. 
And then there was like a fight on the flight deck at the at the fucking memorial. Like there was all kinds of shit that happened. Like that team, dude. Because the navy people, there was like navy people on the catwalk behind the formations that were laughing about, like laughing and stuff. Like you could hear them laughing during the roll call and like all this shits going on. Like, oh man, the marines were fucking pissed. And there was like a fight that happened. Like, I mean, that's it was the whole thing was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, this is I don't even know the kid, but I'm gonna come to the memorial because I think it's the right thing to do. For sure. But there were guys that didn't even leave the birthing. Like, ah, dude, I'm playing Xbox. Like, yeah, you know, and I just, I just didn't get it. I'm like, I don't get it, man. Like the kid just fucking died. Yeah. Right. But you know what? Like that kind of attitude, it would be how I think Navy people would look at us if we got pulled off the ship to go actually fight. Yeah. I'm saying. And then we'd come back and being all fucked up from fighting. You know, if the Mew was used, like it's supposed to be used. And we'd right. come back and they'd be like, oh, you know, I think there'd be like this, I don't know, kind of resentment Broder- between each other. Or resentment. I mean, I nothing crazy happened on our so it wasn't anything significant. But I mean, I feel like the green and blue got along. We got along pretty well. For the most. Not, not on mine. On the first shit, yeah. on the first deployment, man, the first couple of weeks, you dudes would like you'd see guys get shoulder checked and stuff like that. Like Navy dudes are arguing with fucking Marines. They're like. It was shitty. It was a shitty command structure. The command didn't like the Marines, like all the way up to the, you know, the fucking command deck people on the Navy side didn't like the Marines. And it was like, dude, your whole fucking point in life is to drive Marines to where they need to go. Like that's literally the entire point of the ship. Literally your job. And it was just like constant. I mean, obviously over time, everyone works together and it gets a, a little better, but it was rough for a little while. Like, They'd keep separate lines because they're like, the Marines are crowding everything. So this is a Navy line now. And this is a Marine line. And it's like, dude, what? We're all in this together. Like fucking. Yeah. We had blue and green side lines too. You'd see, you'd see the Navy people hooking each other up with shit and stuff like that. When you're on shit, man, dudes are starving and stuff. And you're like, hey, motherfucker, I better get two pieces of chicken too. Like, <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. And the ship store, that always, that always went preference to the Navy. Oh yeah. They never had Marine stuff in there. You couldn't buy Marine. Like oh, I need Chevron's like yeah. the, 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 um, what's it? The SK one who ran the ship store was my buddy though. So I was oh. always good to hook up. <laughs> That's a good hookup. That's like guys, we had guys that were in the barbershop and they're all, they, the ship store and the barbershop guys all work together. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes they could get a hookup, but Dude, the barbershop guys would be dicks too. They'd be like, "You don't have an appointment. I'm not gonna cut your hair." And you're like, "Bitch, fucking cut my hair, dude! Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> or, or the navy barbers won't cut marine hair. They only cut navy hair. Yeah. And it's just like, get the fuck out of here, man. I don't yeah. know. Ship is the worst. Yeah, I don't God. miss. It sure. I can I bitch about it. being on ship for days. The rest of my life, I could bitch about being on ship. <laughs> but I would totally go on a cruise again. Yeah, that's a whole different thing, though. Oh man. It's like- it's like going down – when I go camping and go rock climbing, like I swore after I got out of the Marine Corps that I would never camp ever again. Like fuck that. I'm not going to live in a tent. There's no reason. But now I enjoy it. It's like a good – it's like rejuvenation. you know. Oh, 100%. It's a good reset. Yeah. It's a good like to get outside for a couple days, even for a couple hours with no technology. Yeah. Like it's just like – you know. I need a couple days because I am on my phone constantly. I yeah. am – on my Instagram page constantly. I'm on my Facebook constantly. I'm on Twitter constantly. I'm a fucking loser. I'm on social media <laughs> constantly. And well, it's it your takes me too. So yeah, it's part of it. I, I say that, but a lot of it's bullshit. I don't right. need to get on there and debate politics with people and 
Twitter but and I, fucking <laughs> Facebook, but I do whatever, <laughs> you know, just informing the masses one comment at a time. Whatever. One at a time. Yeah, right. Just try to add some informed debate to the debate, to the Facebook debacle. Because, like, yeah. sometimes it just seems like it's, like, just the crazies running wild. Yeah. I, that's what I do, man. I try to – I source stuff. I'm like, hey, here's a here's an actual source. Read this. Like, right. And some people, they just won't listen to any kind of logic. Or they're so against whatever side, you know, the other side, that they won't listen to anything. So it's like, dude, I'm not even going to engage you in conversation because it's – it's pointless. You've made your mind. It's you're not changing it. Like it's pointless. So it's going to get the, the politics is going to get real shitty. I I have a feeling they're going to try to like Biden because Biden's going to win. Obviously fucking Bernie. I think Bernie already said he's going to concede. Isn't he Bernie giving up? He's, he's talking about it. He's talking about, I mean, that dude never had a chance. Let's be honest. Like if he got on stage with Trump, man, like he would just tear apart. Like, you can't even tell tell like what you're paying, like how much your plan costs and shit like that. Like it's cool. Yeah. It sounds like a great plan, man. Like everybody has free healthcare. It's great. Half of your budget is missing, my dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a ridiculous amount. Like that's why it gets tiresome about the uh, you know, promising like what can you I was watching the CNN debate the other night, which was weird. Did you see that with uh well, um, the, Biden and was and, it just uh, Biden the one with just Biden and Bernie? Yeah. No audience. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then Biden was talking about, he was like, me and Elizabeth Warren have signed on for this free college education. I'm like, wait, that's that's Bernie's platform. Like, why is Biden, t-? like, I didn't think Bernie did, I didn't think that Biden did well in that debate. I thought that Bernie did better. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny seeing them without crowd reactions. You know, yeah. it, it, there was way, it felt like there was way less, um, there was way more or less, or however you say it, there's way less more, way less of them trying to like one-liners on each other. They yeah. were more talking to each other. Plus, it was just two of them, which obviously helped. Right. Um, but I thought, and when, like, in that points like that, Bernie was like, oh, I'm glad you came on board. I've been saying this for 40 years. Yeah. You know, but at the same yeah. time, like, I don't know, Bernie's plans are just insane. Like, he has just some crazy out there, like. There was one time, there was one, at one point in time, Bernie went, like, vote by vote, things that he had supported or not supported that turned out to be the right choice that Biden had been on the other side of. And the, I'm like, well, there's no argument that like, that's, you know? Yeah. I mean, I get like why people like him. He's consistent. I don't know? think anybody's going to beat Trump in 2020. No, I think because once Bernie pulls out all the, all his like avid supporters are going to be anti DNC and like, it's just, yeah. they're just not going to vote or yeah. a lot of them voted for Trump last time from what I understand. Cause they were like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to well, vote I mean, for an establishment kind of, Democrat. Yeah, exactly. They kind of have a similar kind of message, you know, even though it's so wildly different as well <laughs> i didn't like how cnn like it was like one after another like can you can you promise that you're gonna make you're gonna do this and then can you promise that you're gonna do this it's like dude shut up like why would you <laughs> quit those are those are shitty questions to ask in a debate yeah like ask like what are you actually gonna do don't force someone to be like yes i promise i will have a female vice president you know like <laughs> i guarantee you it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah like what ask actual questions who cares who the vice president is like they Buttig- do good you should do what i think you should take pete Buttigieg as his vice president candidate <sighs> i didn't like that guy oh, how do you not like him how what do you mean how could i like him at all hello veteran dude that dude no that dude churched up. I don't know, man. I didn't like him talking about being a veteran. Some of his pictures were stupid. Like, I mean, good on him for signing up. 
Good on him for signing up, but he didn't do shit. He went over and stood on a huge ass fob. He probably went and had Hardee's and then took some photos in his freaking. I you mean, know, kit. he was a naval intelligence officer. He wasn't in. You know, I he get was, it. I get it. But I mean, at good least he's again. Good on him for signing up, but to to continue to flout like, oh, I could be the best commander in chief ever because I'm a veteran. I've I've been to a combat zone and know what it's like. It's like, dude, no, you don't. What are you even saying right now? Like, what are you was, even saying right now? I was I, I thought he at least was articulate. He was well spoken. He was. He, yeah. he was a little bit. He, I feel like his temperament was a little bit better than Trump's. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the Democratic candidates, I thought he was the one. But I think he came out as a moderate and then realized he needed to swing super far left and did that and then realized that that's Bernie's spot. And, and that's it, then Elizabeth Nate, Warren did the same thing. They both took these super left slanted policies and they're like, yeah, that's what I want that. Yep. I'm for, you know, never deporting anyone ever again, you know, stuff like that. It's like, that wasn't yeah. your policy a couple months ago when you were a moderate. Now you're changing it to appease your base. The, the downside of our, of our, of our political machine, you know, the way and, that it works in our country. And even the Democrats made a good point. The people that were, beating him up you know talking about how he only won his seat as a mayor by like 500 votes maybe it was less than that it was like it was a super slim margin in in south bend indiana like how how can you expect this dude to perform nationally when he can barely even win a small town you know i mean he won the yeah he did no yeah he had a it was weird like he had a couple up front like showings then he just disappeared he won iowa tied new hampshire and then he got into the south and I think what he did was he set himself up for a future in politics. Yeah. And minority voters, they don't have his back. <laughs> Not at all. That was his thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was the big thing about him. Yeah. And then Biden talking about talking about putting fucking, uh, what's his name from California or from Texas and Oh, Beto O'Rourke in charge of his gun program. I can't like they the most left wing like, dude like, you could put at the gun program for taking your AKs. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, exactly. He was like, I will take your AR 15. He's like, okay, who like, are you really, you know how many people are going to get killed trying to come and get people's guns like that? Like that's crazy. Yeah. It's not going to happen. There's a lot of people that'll turn them over, but there's going to be a lot of people that are like, fuck you. You know, yeah. like I'm not turning my shit over. Gun owners would say, fuck you. If you try to infringe on their right. I think the uh, the march, the rally they had in Virginia was a good showing for the Second Amendment people. So great. Yeah. It looked like douchebags, you know, some of them did, but it's like, you know what, man, that's your right. You want to wear that shit? I mean, that's that's the that's the best. I was fairly certain that there would be some kind of Antifa sect that would dress up as members of the protest and then create, you know, some kind of No, there were Antifa and like LGBTQ people that were like, Hey, we're here for fucking Second Amendment too. Like we believe yeah. in it as well, you know? Yeah. I was I was pretty happy with it. And bringing fringe fucking, groups together. Fucking governor of Virginia is he's it's ridiculous. Yeah, they've been trying to pass some pretty strict laws in Virginia. You'd have to have permits or get rid of like a lot of different weapons. Yeah. I mean Bloomberg, you know, he funded a lot of a lot of the state legislature there. And so and you know, he was like, Yeah, we'll give all this money. He's like, but there was a caveat. He's like, you know, we need you to we need you to help rein in our gun control, you know. So I can't um, believe I can't believe they didn't make their uh, governor resign after those photos came out after after the whole like super woke culture does not <laughs> matter to their own like people like I cannot believe they allowed him to stay in office you know they're like yeah, you're either yeah. the dude with blackface or you're the dude in the KKK outfit like <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're, which one do you want to claim because 
<laughs> Neither one of those are, are winning winning policies. It's just funny. All these like dudes come out like the uh, Trudeau. Trudeau came out with you know his pictures came out from. I never got. I, I mean, I feel like we're from the similar era. Well, maybe not yeah. not the governor of Virginia, but Trudeau. You know, he's a what is he like forty? I'm you know yeah, like thirties, right? Yeah, I don't remember anyone ever, and I grew up in Tennessee. You know, I grew up in the deep south. Like I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the farthest south you can go in Tennessee. <laughs> and like I don't remember that at all. You know, I don't remember anybody doing like blackface or. Yeah, that's some old shit. That's some yeah, and uh, I don't know. I've never. I don't know. It's just one of those weird. Th- I saw him do a a bit about it, not a bit, but like a episode where they're doing it on Mad Men. Did you ever watch Mad Men? I've seen some episodes, but I, yeah, dude, that's probably one of my favorite shows ever. I've, I think <laughs> I've watched it like three or four times, like all the way through. Like it doesn't surprise times. me. I find a show I like and I just watch it over and over again because it, it becomes something I can play while I'm doing other stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the West wing for me. Mm, I could never get into it, so, which is yeah. weird. You'd think I'd get into a politics yeah, kind of like show. All seven, all seven seasons, like four or five times. What are you binge watching now? Anything? Uh, no, actually I've been down here. So my schedule's kind of all out of whack cause I'm up here staying with my parents and working with my brother. So I'm just trying to not let my, all my knowledge from school drain out of my brain during the extended spring break. Where are you, where are you guys at? Where are your parents live at? Wadsworth, Ohio. Yeah. Is that so like a small town? Northeast Ohio. It's probably about two hours North of Columbus, 45 South of Cleveland. What's the cost of living looking like out there? Pretty cheap. Pretty, yeah. pretty. Yeah. I, I tell people back here, you know, or I tell people here when I go back home, I look at the the prices for houses and stuff like that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you couldn't even, you can't even buy a condo, like an apartment for what you can yeah. get, you know, multiple acres. Oh and, yeah. You know, my sister but, was looking at a, like a six bedroom house or four bedroom. No, nah, it was four bedroom house, five bedroom. I don't know. Big enough so that my mom could live there as well. And it had like over 2000 square feet and like a cut like six acres of land. And it was like $250,000. I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. dude, like that is so cheap. God. Insane. San Diego Cal- is just out of Cal- control. Insane. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Dude, the homeless population in LA is 70,000. Okay. And LA County is 70,000 people. That's almost the entire population of where I'm from. You know, Lafayette, <laughs> Indiana has almost a hundred thousand people there. Um, in San Diego, it's bad, but it's not that bad. San Diego, I think there's like eight to 10,000 is what their estimate is. But still, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. The amount of homeless people that you have and this virus is going to hit skid row and just fucking decimate California. And it's going to, that's going to be like a crazy hot zone. If I drove through skid row before just to check it out, I was up in LA and yeah. I was just like, what the fuck, dude? This place is, it's like driving through a third world country. It's insane. <laughs> I don't like know if you ever went up there. They've built now, right? It's like. What's that? It's like a whole city now, isn't it? Oh, it's dude. It's uh, so basically under every, every overpass and stuff like that is encampments and stuff. If yeah. you have like, if you look over like a bridge, you know, you always have these little shitty creeks or whatever dried creek beds. There's always homeless encampments in those. Um, I mean, and they're always catching on fire too. There's like multiple fires a day and homeless encampments. There's this page I follow. It's called the, uh, let me, uh, street people. Yeah. Street people of Los Angeles. 
and it's just every day they're putting videos of people doing of fires or people doing drugs on the street, like smoking meth, like right there sitting down smoking meth while people are walking by them, shooting up, people defecating in the streets. Like it's insane, dude. Yeah, that's that's you gotta you gotta get a handle on that situation. Well, they changed the so in San Francisco they changed the law to um, they can only they can only arrest people if the crime cost over a thousand dollars. So now homeless people and and fucking you know thieves are coming into grocery stores or coming into like fast you know like Seven Elevens and stuff and just taking up to like nine hundred dollars worth of stuff and walking away because if they get caught they won't go to jail they'll get a ticket they'll get cited a ticket and that's it. Wow. So. So if a homeless person or a criminal comes and busts your car window out, one, he'll never get caught, but they'll say he does. They're going to give him a ticket and let him go. And it's on you to contact your insurance and take care of it. <laughs> like that's the, because it's under a thousand dollars. That's crazy. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. And at, once this virus hits that population of people, you're going to see a ton of dead people. It's going to be a ton of dead people in that area. Awesome extreme strain on the healthcare industry up there, I'm sure, because oh, they yeah. nobody has insurance and they're just going to be flooding the hospitals. Yeah. California is a weird place, dude. And the thing is, is it's so expensive and everyone bitches about how expensive it is, but they won't move. They refuse yeah. to move. It's like the price, the housing here is too expensive. I'm like, you know where it's not expensive? Iowa. <laughs> Check it out. It's not a bad spot. Go to Tennessee, no state tax. You know what I'm saying? Like, Nashville is going to be expensive, but you live off in a little holler somewhere, you know. Remember, uh, there's a uh, Daniel Tosh. He did a stand up. It's an older stand up, but he's he's talking about California and you know how expensive it is to live there, and you know how people complain about. It. <laughs> he's in the middle of skit. He's like, uh, I can't form a two bedroom townhouse for six hundred thousand dollars. Good move east. Yeah, exactly. It's like people that's would. People, that's for people who gave up on their dreams. People are like, I'm, I'm getting close to being a paycheck away from being homeless. It's like, well, then that's the time you should start considering your other options of where you need to move to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I mean, come on, man. Minimum wage, minimum wage out here is rising. I think it's on some kind of program where it's eventually going to hit $15 an hour. A lot of places already pay $15 an hour. You can go work at Panda Express and make 15 bucks an hour, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, I don't know, man, if you, if your plan is to stay in a minimum wage job for the rest of your life, then you, that's the life you get. You get a minimum wage life. That's not a plan. That's not a plan. Be the best minimum wage person that's there and then move up to, you know, like an assistant manager, then a manager at McDonald's and then use that to leverage into another fucking career. Yeah. Right. I don't get it, man. People just aren't self starters. They're not. So, so let's get to this whole thousand dollar tax thousand dollars to every person it sounds like they're gonna give a thousand dollars to every adult and five hundred dollars to children what do you think about that i'm not a fan um i think i posted a meme on facebook the other day was you know was regarding history in the history of economic crisis in countries across the world you know the, the 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 answer is not to print more money and i feel like at least 150 billion that's earmarked to distribute to individuals in the trillion dollar stimulus. It, it, that's, that's just giveaway money. It's not money the government expects back. Luckily the rest of it, the, the 300 billion for the small businesses is, is just loans. The 150 billion to the airline industry, that's loans, at least from what I, I'm not a legislator, but from what I understand, it's that's the most of it is loans. Is it? It's okay. not like a trillion dollars of free money that the government's printing and giving away. It's, 
that's what I that's my old that's my argument to when when people are like, well, they fucking bailed out the banks, but they can't bail out fucking you know Main Street, and it's like, no, dude, the banks paid them back. Like that was a that's expected. That's a you're gonna give me this money, or I'm gonna give you this money, but you're fucking giving it back to me, kind of deal. Right. Do you yeah. expect the individuals for like let's say like student loan debt? Yeah. You think okay, hey, once you're on your feet, I want that money for your master's program, bro. Like <laughs> fucking money. That's not gonna happen. No, you know, and so it's completely, it's two different. Like when people bring that up, I'm like, that's two different things because one is money that you're, you're canceling a debt that you're never going to receive that back. And the other one is a loan. Like you said, yeah. Now you may argue the fact of how much they got or some of the terms of the loan that can be argued, but you know, the fact that they got it, I don't know. Now yeah. I did like today in, Trump, in the, um, news conference that Trump said that, um, he did not, he would also support those companies not being able to do uh, stock buybacks and like bonuses for their CEOs and stuff like that. He's like, I'm totally behind that. Yeah. I saw Mark Cuban talking about that too. So that's good because that's the kind of shit that pisses off voters. They're like, dude, you just like gave my money to this company and they're giving, you know, they're due a million dollars. Like what the yeah. fuck, you know? Yeah. That's the world you're entering into though. What do you think about <laughs> bonuses? I mean, I'm headed into the private industry. So yeah, <laughs> EY is a EY is not a public firm, so I mean they're not traded on any kind uh, of on New York Stock Exchange. Uh, everything it's a partnership. It's not even a it's not even a corporation. Oh really? The way that the way that Ernst Young and 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 Deloitte and all the RSM, all these public accounting firms, and also you know lawyers who private lawyer firms, and um, you know you start off as an associate, which is what I'll be. Well, I'll be an intern this summer. Hopefully, they offer me a job as an associate. I started after I graduated as an associate, do two years as a junior associate, a staff associate is what they call it. Yeah. Then you become a senior associate. You do that for three years, get bumped up to manager, do that for three to five years. Then you become a senior manager. And then if you do well and you're, you start selling for the company and bringing in revenue for the firm, then you can make partner. And so once you're a partner <clears throat> at the end of the year, after all the expenses are paid, you know, all your employees, after you pay them bonuses out to all your employees, whatever the net income is um, for your firm, that gets split amongst the partners. So the office that I'm going to, there's 10 partners in the office. So those 10 partners split the the, the, the income, the net income from the firm. And then it's that, that's um, flow through income to the individual. So you're, you're liable for the tax, the tax liabilities on the individual partner, although – I was going to say, isn't that a way that how companies basically get down to zero where they're like, hey, we didn't make any money this year because we well, pushed no, all you, this money out. So you have to – you still have to pay the taxes on the money, but the taxes – like the partners own the firm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the income belongs to the partners. So the 10 percent – if there's 10 partners in the firm, the 10 percent of, of this partner's you know earnings from the firm – I'm still responsible for the, in the income that I earn. You know, the partners are still responsible for the income they earn. They have to pay taxes on it. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, these are accountants, so they are, they're creative and reducing your tax liability. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. I'm I mean, Hey, there's, there's fringe benefits for every job, right? Yeah. I mean, and they do, they have, they have an awesome, I mean, they have both a defined benefit and defined contribution plan. So they have a pension as well as an IRA that the, that, that they contribute into. I mean, they do a lot for their employees. It's hard to get a job, but once you're in there, they, they do do a good, they work you a lot. So you, I imagine I'll be putting in, you know, especially when I'm associate, I'll be working 60 to 70 hours a week, but you know, the compensation is, is significant. So I'm happy about that. Well, that's good. Do you plan on staying there for, or cause 
so I've heard like people say, hey, you should only stay at a job for like three years and move to another place, like constantly be moving to, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And it, I mean, so public account, there's a lot of people that do that, especially with the big fur four. You'll go in, you'll work, do three years as an associate and then use that to leverage a position out in industry. So you'll go work for, you know, Dow Chemical or you'll go work for Harley Davidson or you'll go work for Lockheed Martin. Uh, and then do internal industry accounting for them because they're going to pay you a lot more than you're going to make as an associate at EY. Um, and your job, honestly, is a lot simpler because you're just dealing with the accounting for that specific company that you work for. Um, but what I'm going to do or what my plan is, and I mean, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. But I want to be on a partner path. So I plan on going to EY, putting in 15 years, making partner working for another 10 as a partner and then, you know, go sit on a beach and drink Mai Tais for the rest of my life. That's what's up. <laughs> that's what's up, man. That's a plan. You know, that's what, that's what you want to do. Some people, some people get into that. I wouldn't, I feel like I could do all right in an office, you know, but it'd have to be the right environment. I mean, so it's really like the work is, especially the, the office that I'm going to and the, the sector that I'm going into, it's, it's, it's very investigatorial. So you go in and you look at a company's financial statements and you look at their records and you go, okay, well, these are areas where you have deficiencies where you could be doing a lot better. So you find out ways that they can reduce their expenses and generate more income for their company. Yeah. And obviously the company compensates EY for that service. But you do it for a week, maybe two weeks, and then you, you move on to the next client. So, so are, you, are you the dude that comes in and like basically tells them who they should fire? Like, hey, you got to get rid of 20% of the section. Dead <laughs> Thanks, weight. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't really know. So I'm not 100% sure of how it's going to look day to day once I get into the job. But yeah, some, you know, a lot of it is, it's not necessarily, you know, layoffs or, or downsizing always, but there's a lot of different ways that a company can move around their money or pay their expenses or, you know, pay out their, their, their accounts payable faster so they can take care of or take advantage of some, some advantages that are written in their contract. Like <clears throat> there are different terms for a contract. So you can have like a, if you pay within, if you pay off this expense within 10 days, you'll get like a 2% discount on the total purchase. Yeah. But if you pay it within 30 days, you pay the whole amount, you know? So it's like a uh, two ten net 30, you know? So 10, 2% discount if you pay within 10 days, total amount within 30 days. And so I don't know. I mean, so no master's program in your future, huh? I hope not. No I mean, MBA? no, I'm, the, the professional degree for an accountant is a bachelor's. So I don't want to go to any more school. I'm so done. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like I have a lot of friends that go straight from their undergraduate into their master's program. And I can't even, I can't fathom sticking around school for another two years to get my master's. I don't, I just don't want to do it. Yeah, but you're doing a lot of technical stuff too, you know? I mean, I'm not, like for me, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Like I'm more, it's writing and stuff, you know, right. for me. So I'm right. not doing math. I'm not doing hard sciences. Like I, I'm doing like a, right now I'm doing like a natural disasters class, you know, to right. fulfill one of my hard sciences that I needed to do, my physical sciences that I needed to do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Master's program doesn't look too bad for if communications or something, but I've also been looking at the, um, there's a USC has a master's of business for veterans program. And, right. uh, two of the guys I knew that from first angle co went through that program. One's getting ready to finish actually. Um, so, you know, one of them wants to get into consulting and one of them is doing, he's a, uh, he's trying to break into the, uh, uh, 
commercial real estate market. So he's managing multi-million. Now he's managing a multi-million dollar account in Nashville. Jeez. Yeah. I'm like, dude, good on you. I mean, that's one of those, you got a USC, you know, email. That's like the mafia. Yeah. They, um, OSU, like Fisher college of business. That's, I mean, the, the, one of the main reasons that people go there is because who recruits out of, out of that business school, you know, you, if, if you, do well at school, you get a good GPA and, and you can, you know, you're at least mildly charismatic when you go in for your interview, yeah. you know, you got a good chance of, of landing a decent job. It's like going to like the Citadel or something in, in the South, you know, it's just that, that network of people. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, look to USC. I think that's the one they paid the most money to sneak their kids into. So yeah. that's gotta be something on the social yeah. standing, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> as fucked up as that is. I'm oh, just man. I'm just over academia a little bit I think and I try to I try yeah. to talk myself down off that ledge on a daily basis because I know that once I get done with it and get into my career field my next career field you know I'll look back and, and I'll look back and be like oh I wish I'd you know not push through it so quickly but I mean it's hard not making any money <laughs> well I mean the GI Bill helps um, for me like I, I just do the website and stuff so it, you got to find something that, that works. You know, I didn't want to work for somebody and I didn't want to get like a whatever part-time job. Although I, before this virus happened and we're all in lockdown, I had considered going over to the, one of the local firing ranges and see and get a part-time job there just so I could go and shoot, you know, for cheap yeah. or free. Right. I imagine you get free range time. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I get it, man. The, uh, making money making money is important, but in my job, it's all creative. So for this, yeah. like the podcast, if let's say this podcast crash and burns, let's hope it doesn't everyone, you know, subscribe today. <laughs> Listen, subscribe. Um, if it does, you know, then at least it's a, I have a professional like reel to put in my portfolio. I could be like, Hey, look here, I produce this podcast on my own. I never, you know, I learned it all on YouTube. This is I'm self-taught yeah. um, because I'm trying to get into journalism or advertising one or the other. Right. Um, the, the dream job would be going to like film documentaries, but yeah, you know, what are you going to do? I was hoping to travel to either Italy or South Africa this summer. And that is probably not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Italy is definitely not going to happen. Now my cousin lives in Milan, which is one of the hardest hit cities. Um, I'm thinking about hitting her up and see if she wants to come on the podcast and just kind of talk about like what real world, like what's going on in the city and and stuff like that. I think that'd be a super interesting uh, thing for people to see because they're going through the worst of it. And I I just heard a statistic before we got on here that in Italy, the mean age of death is 80. So it's like, you know, they, and I guess Italy is being hit harder than most countries because they have a uh, oversized uh, old population. Like a a larger amount of their population is older. Right. So that's why they're, they're makes sense. Dude, they have like a quarter of the deaths for the entire world, I think. That's crazy. I think they're over 3,200 deaths now in Italy. Yeah. Although, insane. I think I heard today that it's two days now that China has had no new cases reported. Yeah. And I don't expect we're going to have similar results just because China were like beating their people to keep them indoors and like covering yeah, everything I mean, and disinfecting. You know, <laughs> I mean, the- China obviously is not great on human rights and there are some violations, but the Chinese people as a whole, especially in recent years when the Chinese economy has boomed, you know, and everybody, you know, has increased their standard of living to such a dramatic degree, you know, the reality of still the government, you do what the government says and you don't, you know, 
you don't cross the street if it's if the crosswalk doesn't say cross. You know, in America, it's like you look both ways. There's no cars coming. I'm gonna cross the street. The, yeah. Like Chinese students at OSU, they'll be American like students walking across the street when there's no cars coming. They'll just stand there and wait until oh, the really? yeah, because in in China you don't. You know, and so I don't think that the Chinese government had to beat people to get them to stay indoors. They just said, hey, stay indoors. That's the order. Do what we there say. Were, well, there were some videos I saw of them like dragging people away that could have been infected. You know, that was some pretty, there were some pretty crazy videos coming. There, I mean, China's not great, man. They just kicked out the American journalists. They kicked out New York Times, Washington Post, and I think the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, because they were, yeah, they don't like criticism. They yeah. The, no, they're not a fan. So I think they, they had a better way of getting a handle on it. And then we also get criticized because North Korea has been like super efficient with their testing. And that's like, you know, that's like our issue right now is our testing is bad. Um, and it's getting better. It's obviously getting better. But the only reason that North Korea is ready to go for testing is because they just had SARS like three years ago. And they were <laughs> like, dude, we got fucked. We need to get all these test kits and we didn't have that actual effect of it. So, you know, when you're cutting line items in the budget, what's that? Was it North or South? I know South Korea had a really good response. South Korea. Okay. South Korea. Who knows what North Korea is doing? I don't, yeah, exactly. They're probably killing dudes as they find out, right? Get the fuck. It's like zombies. Get them in the brain. You'll come back to life. (laughs) I don't know, man. We could be, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how the U S is going to react to if we get like a full up lockdown, like don't leave your homes. So have you ever heard of, um, WeChat? I have. Yeah. So I have WeChat just to chat with my Chinese friends. So, but it's where they, they like post and like, I like it's, it's obviously all in China. Well, never mind. It's all in Chinese. So I I use it to practice my reading and whatnot of my friends. But, um, like good on you for learning Chinese, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. (gasps) Some days it just makes you want to suck start a pistol. But uh, I, yeah. I hope it's useful in the long run, you know. I'm but sure the, 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 the student, like the, you know, like on the app and on social media, like Chinese social media and in Chinese, like they're all pretty calm about it. Like they're really actually the Chinese students that I know and the Chinese teachers and, and people at OSU, they're super embarrassed. You know, they're very – you know, they were really embarrassed by like copyright infringement. Like that's like their big, they refer to it as like their big sin. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's, I mean, growing up, like everything, you know, just was free. You know, there's no such thing as copyright infringement. Most Chinese people didn't know until we started making a big deal about it because this is, you know, these are our royalties that are being infringed upon. Literally Uh, stealing everything. Yeah, exactly. But that was just the way of life. You know, you just get it for free. Um, And then now it's, you know, COVID-19 is a kind of a similar situation for them. They're like, you know, shit, you know, and it's not like these individual Chinese people yeah. cultivated the virus, but they, you know, it's from their country. And so they feel a certain amount of, of shame. That sucks, man. I think, I, you know, I think people realize it's not generally the Chinese people. It's the Chinese government, you know, like we don't yeah. hate, people don't hate the people. It's yeah. the government. However, the people shouldn't be eating bats. But obviously, we have people in Louisiana that are eating gators and fucking frogs and everything else. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's unknown, unknown for people to eat weird shit in the U.S. Like either. The, the wildlife, the wildlife food that they sell in the wet markets, it's not typical. Chi- like average wage level Chinese individuals, they eat beef and poultry like you know yeah. most yeah. people. 
the exotic foods are really the wealthier, the ones that 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 uh, <clears throat> that patronize this kind of food. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's See, the reason I... that that's the reason that you know hmm. it was able that China allowed the markets to stay open and allowed that industry to continue to 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 be open because influential individuals wanted it. But yeah, after I feel like after the breakouts in the past, they probably should have just closed it down. But now, definitely with Corona, like they should, you know, that should not be something that they, the wet market should not even be around anymore. Yeah. They stack animal on top of animal on top of animal, and then the animals shit on each other and transmit virus. Like that's, they're live animals. It's, it's fucking, it's kind of crazy. I've seen videos of the, uh, or pictures of like the bats and stuff, like ready to be purchased, you know, and it just yeah. looks like these weird rat looking things with fangs that they're like buying up. It's like, oh, how could you eat that? You know, like. Uh, I mean, but hey, every culture is different, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, I eat deep fried uh, grasshoppers and cockroaches in Thailand, so. Hmm. Um, I do, I would probably do grasshoppers, but not fucking cockroaches, dude. Oh, it was gross. The, 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 squi- the, like, the more guts that were to the bug, the more it would, like, squish in your mouth. It's, it's not my bag. Purdue University has a cricket spitting contest every year. Like it's like a huge deal. Like it's a big thing. I don't know. It's like on the news and shit. Like you'll see it on the news. That's and great. they they come out and they and then you can go and eat like chocolate covered fucking crickets and like all this. I don't know, man. Indiana. It's an agricultural school. Who knows? Who knows what they're doing? <laughs> they're just going crazy over there. But you know, it's like they definitely do need to close these markets out because obviously we've had multiple viruses come out of there. It originates from there. So, and then back to what we were talking about before people saying that it's racist to call it the Trump calling it the China virus. It's not racist. And no one, the people that are fucking being shitty to Chinese people are already shitty people anyway. Yeah. You yeah, know, that, no, yeah. They, they weren't like, you know what? Trump said, this is a Chinese virus. So fuck them. You know, it, Chinese people. I'm just going to go beat them up. <laughs> yeah. Like these are already fucked up people anyway. Cause no normal person acts like that, you know, or yeah. I don't know, even though I have never, I haven't even seen any actual news reports of anybody. And I'm saying they're not, I'm sure there's, actual shit happening but i haven't seen anything on the local news that said you know chinese person fucking <laughs> i saw one article where a chinese person had been beat up or something but yeah no nothing that sucks it's you have an interesting insight on it just because you you know you've been studying chinese and you obviously know people you know that are chinese and stuff like that so have any of their families been affected by it you, you know, they don't really talk. I like my friends, my Chinese friends don't really talk about it a whole lot. Um, yeah, I don't probably don't want to. No, they're very, especially with issues that bring uh, like uh, <clears throat> that bring the country into question. They're always super slow to talk about it. Like Chinese people, most Chinese people will never talk to you about what's going on in Hong Kong. Like yeah. Chinese Uber driver when I was in California. Well, that picked, shit's over now. Yeah, is it like you don't hear about it anymore, right? They can't. I mean, would you risk it? Yeah, they showed videos of Hong Kong, the streets of Hong Kong, just empty. Which I've been to Hong Kong a couple times, and that's never, never empty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, Hong Kong's cool. And there were some uh, dust ups after we left there. I think that's when they first start. Well, I mean, they I think they always have issues. Hong Kong's that they they they're in that weird limbo where they want to be independent, but China's yeah. like, no, dude, we own you. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, We've, our ship it's, fucked it's, up, and when we pulled into Hong Kong, the sailor actually flew the Taiwan flag instead <sighs> of the Hong Kong flag. 
And they were like, that's a big deal. Like if any yes. like official <laughs> Chinese people saw that, they would be like, this is they they were like they they wouldn't be surprised if they canceled the limo port and made us like leave. Yeah. I mean it's a big thing. I mean the United States foreign policy is still, you know, it's from from Nixon's day, you know, there is one China and Taiwan is part of China. You know, that's 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 US foreign policy. You know, the 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 leader of the leader of Taiwan can't set foot on American soil because in America's mind, as far as foreign mm-hmm. policy, Xi Jinping is the leader of Taiwan because he represents all of China and we have a one China policy as our that's our foreign policy. But we also speak out in, in support of like the protesters and stuff in Hong Kong. Also we also sell arms to Taiwan. <laughs> but which China doesn't want us to do, but we won't stop doing. Yeah. So we kind of play both, both sides of that coin. You know, I think the majority of Americans probably are, would be supportive of a democratic Taiwan where they can, you know, are separate from China, but you know, America's never going to, never going to, I don't see America supporting that, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I, if, if America won't support and speak up for a free and independent Taiwan, there's no way they're going to speak up and support a free and independent Hong Kong. Well, I mean, because it, it comes down to to what end, you know. Right. I mean, how much how much how much of U.S. how much of the United States debt does China own? You know. Well, not even that. Who cares? Money's fake anyway, right? Like, you know, we can tell them to fuck with <laughs> interest the fuck payments. Are, you know, I, and a lot of people don't even realize that America's credit rating got degraded. You know, what last year was it? Last year or was it in two thousand nineteen or two thousand eighteen? No, but it, did it? for the first time in history. Yeah, you never even never even read about it. Huh. I think that happened during the downturn, the economic downturn. In 2000, think, 2008, we still kept it up, but it was the – I can't remember what year. It was during the Trump administration. I know that for sure. Really? Yeah, I never heard anything about that. But I'm surprised. Yeah, but it's – I mean it's all about what wants to get reported, right? That's odd because it's been nothing but continued growth. Like every month you see more and more jo- – like the job outlooks have been out blowing out estimates – over and over again. I think only one or two months have they not, you know? Yeah. I mean, in February 12th, the Dow closed at like 29,300. Down 10,000 points, man. Down 10,000 points a month, yeah. Which, I mean, if you're our age, like, oh, well, if you got yeah, retirement right. accounts, like, eh, that right now Just is like, a good time to start throwing extra money, you know? Right. Like, start buying up because now, now is the time. That's a lot of uh, like super rich people are going to throw money into this and just become even more rich. Yeah. You know? And good on them. They're making, they're doing their thing. They're doing what yeah. they're supposed to. As long as they pay their fucking taxes, then who cares? So, uh, what? Uh, it was August 5th, 2011. No, so it was after. Get out of here. Yeah. Get here. Yeah, I remember that. Wars, which reduced the country's rating from AAA to AA. But that so, was 2011, was like right in like. I mean, that was during the recovery period. No, you know what? No, it wasn't because the actual, you know, the recession, this is something I I found out because everyone talks about like, this isn't Trump's economy. This is Obama's economy. He's working, you know, and then I, so then I posed the question like, well, then thank President Bush for ending the recession because the recession officially ended like six months into Obama's presidency, meaning he wouldn't have had time to have any kind of actual impact on it. What was the name of the, the, the program that, it was actually Bush that, that, that implemented the program, but but uh, it starts with a T. I don't know. Anyways, I can't remember, but it was it was Bush that it, the Bush administration had implemented it, but it took effect, and then the it, it, you know it 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 
it's had what fruit. was the program like what did it do <laughs> it was it was a it was an influx of capital to some industry. Oh. Hmm. The automotive industry? Is that when they give the bailout? I don't think it was. It wasn't the bailout, but I mean, that was also a Bush era. No. What, was that? what do they call that? What's that term? Um, I don't know. We need. I should have a financial guy come on. See, I should be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you got to get real world experience. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing about like academia you only learn like what they're teaching you now yeah and when i i dude i've multiple times i've gotten a lesson and i'm like how old is this information like <laughs> this is old and i'm because i'm doing social media i'm doing you know it's all media classes it's all writing classes stuff like that but a lot of like the current events and stuff like that they're talking about stuff well, like the lessons were made before instagram was like famous you know, yeah. like, hey, there's this new one. Instagram's becoming quite big, you know, and it's like, what <laughs> the fuck are we even talking about? <laughs> honestly, honestly, I would say at least half of my classes, you could get the same information from YouTube, you know. And that's the thing about being a journalist. Like, you can be a good writer and just submit a writing piece to a, a, a newspaper or whatever and maybe get a job, you know. Yeah. You don't necessarily need a degree. Right. However, if you want to get a job in like a corporate structure, like media firm or something like that, they're just like any other like major company. Your your resume is going to go through a, a a machine, and the yeah. first thing it's going to say is no bachelor degree. Spit it out the side. It's no, it's a reject. You know, so you're not even going to get looked at because people are like, yeah, oh, you don't need a degree, man. Like you, you know what you're doing. You're smart, and I'm like, yeah, but I got to get the interview. You know, right. and without the degree, you get in the door. Without a degree, it's hard to get an interview if I even want to go that route. I would love for the podcast to blow up and the website to blow up and stuff like that. And that just become my income. And then I can travel and make videos and stuff like that. And like, you know, do independent journalism. I think that'd be yeah, cool. That's the dream. But, you know, it's realistically, I'm not opposed to going and getting a job. You know, that's, and that's, <laughs> what, I, that's what I told my, like a real job. That's what I told myself when I was getting out. You know, when people are like, bro, you're at 12 years. Like you're getting the fuck out. And I'm like, dude. One, what's it worth? Eight more. You're you're saying eight it's only eight years? more years. That's a lot. Yeah. Fuck yeah, it is. I did from 2009. I did my first deployment, and so between 2009 and 2018, I got home in 2000. I think I got home in 2017. In that time frame, I did five deployments. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm like, that's eight years, right like there, basically. <laughs> You know, that's like nine years. So yeah. I could end up doing like more, and it just wasn't worth it. Like going on a mew. And sitting on Elfok watch, answering the fucking phone. Yeah. Like to me, it's like, dude, just send us to Kuwait and let us work. Like let us, even if it's in Kuwait at the range, like we can get work done, but on the ship I'm worthless. And, um, anyway, but what, what I was getting at was I was telling people like, Hey, I can get out and survive because I know way too many morons out in the real world that are making it somehow. And right. if they can make it, I know I could make it like I'll survive. <laughs> You know, like there's just too many idiots out there that are surviving, but people are afraid to leave that safety net. That's the military. And the military is just too keen on, especially in the enlisted rank structure and just promoting mediocrity, man. Like if yeah. you just, if you toe the line and you haven't made waves and you're in the middle third on your fucking tracker and you know, you haven't been NJP, like the, those are like, you're, you're hitting the wickets, you're going to get promoted. You know, yeah. whereas if you have highs and lows, you're fucked because those lows are just going to make you non-promotable. Yeah. They're afraid to tell people they suck. 
a lot of times. You get guys yeah. that get decent fit reps, and you're like, dude, you were just bitching about this dude. Like, yeah. sir, you why why would you give him a good fit rep when you say you don't trust him? Yeah. Like, especially in our job, you know, yeah. you become a staff NCO, you're like in charge of approving everything looks good. Shoot that big ass gun, you know, like, yeah. hey, do it. <laughs> Or drop that fucking bomb. Like it's you need, you need to be a competent individual. Yeah, you, there is no not a lot of room for error in a job like ours. Um, and art, artillery in general, you know yeah. that's how there's so many firing incidents. It's always artillery. It's always <laughs> artillery or A10s for some reason. You know, it's like I don't know what it is with those platforms. But <laughs> did you ever have any firing incidents while you were in? Did you ever almost get hit um, by anything? We shot Fox batteries shot out of the box. Um, in training in Camp Lejeune. That shut us down one time. Were you there? Uh, OP5? OP, I, was, I wasn't I was on OP5. I was on, you know, yeah, I was on OP5, but it, we had to go like over by OP3, I think, is where like just by the angle of fire where it went out. It almost skipped over, was it Lyman Road right there? Oh, I heard about that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah I heard about that one. I <laughs> me, think uh... Uh, me and Master Guns uh, Locke, who was the regimental fac at the time, we, we went over there together and he's like, let's go see if we can figure out what's going cool. We're just walking through the woods. I'm like, there is a fucking unexploded ordinance somewhere around here, magic guns. What the fuck are we doing? Was that an HE round? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there was I a cross. I came across it. You could see it. It was like, so, you know, all the no color way, dude. off when it comes out of the tube. So it's just this shining silver, like right at my feet. And I'm like, right here. Dude, I'd have been where- fucking shaking. I'd have been so nervous. Yeah, I was like, pretty. Oh different. shit, that that's a live round, like a, yeah, a live fuck you. It up. could go boom right now, and I'd be fucking dead as fuck. But no, I was talking about the time OP five got hit. I was up there uh, right by. Oh, OP5. Oh. Yeah, that was a good time. And then one of my guys actually had a uh, Mike eight two five round skip out, which is for those that don't know, that's a uh, base ejecting white phosphorus round. So right. you have just a shell, kind of like you would have with a loom. The the shit that you want, you know, pops out the back, and then the empty canister continues on. They had a Mike A25 round that the trajectory was too low. Like it was within, I think, the joint reg, you know, the actual standards when they yeah. shot it. And it skipped out of the impact area and hit a van. There was a guy going home and it hit a minivan on Lyman Road. Oh, my God. Yeah, it slammed into a vehicle. <laughs> Can you imagine driving to the basement? <laughs> Boom. That's a big, they caught, but the thing weighs like 100 pounds. 100 pounds, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it hit a minivan. I off the road. <laughs> God, two ten, baby. Yeah, yeah, that happened. They changed the they changed the range regs after that. Yeah, they couldn't shoot that shallow. Something else. Something else. Who were you with out of Tenth Marines? Just regiment for a little bit, right? I was only with regiment. Yeah, I was, I I was at artillery training school on and off. Like I was at I went to Tenth Reg. I was with you guys, and we kind of had artillery training school was like a like a rotational billet, you know. Yeah. And then just got stuck there. And then I, I liked to, it, man. I liked it too. I did. I, I, that's the problem that I liked it too much. And then I did it for so long and I became like the guy that was always out there. You know, we go do regimental shoots or battalion shoots. I would come out and evaluate the fist teams. Yeah. <clears throat> and the I love going to the Hills. I was going to the, the Hills. Like it was me and Gunny Abanez. Mm, Gunny Abanez. Yeah. And then Gunny Abanez is getting out. I wasn't planning on getting out at the time. And then, but I was going around doing evaluations and I, I ruffled a lot of feathers because there was a lot of people that were just fucked up sometimes out on the hill, like Marines that were just doing bad, you know. Yeah. And people hate bad. being told they're fucked up. Yeah. So I'd like, and I would tell 
like the, the, the regimental fire chief, you know, I think when I first got there, it was Russell. Mm. Um, he came out, I, uh, he came out to Pendleton. I, I saw him a couple times. He was over at uh, one meth. Yeah. He's retired he, now, the, obviously. Called the Imperial meth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> out smoking his black and milds. Yeah. And then master <laughs> guns Kepler came in after him. And then, uh, master guns Valette was my last regimental fire chief at Tenby regiment. But, Master Guns Valette, me and him, me and Master Guns Valette served in 5th Anglico together. He was a plank holder at 5th Anglico. He was a staff sergeant at the time. Um, and then, so we had a little bit of history. So he, but he, I had suffered through so much time with Russell and Kepler. Like I was just completely fucking checked out from 10th Reg by the time Valette showed up. He tried to help me out, but I was, I was not, I was not feeling it. Yeah. When you hit a point where you're like, I'm done, I'm out. It's, yeah, uh, it's you're you not a good person to be around, really. Yeah, exactly. You're, I was probably the worst person to be around. Like my you're last like that toxic unit. tumor in the unit, telling everybody how shitty it is. Yeah, exactly. That was me at the Mew for a while. I was just like, dude, fuck the Mew. Like we got all the new guys that were coming in to do the next, yeah. you know, work up and deployment. And I'm yeah. like, fucking, you'll be sorry. Like, welcome. Don't do it. Get welcome. Out <laughs> welcome to hell. <laughs> yeah, it's just a shitty work up and a shitty deployment, man. It just sucks. We went. We went and did a. I, I remember it was maybe six months before I was getting out, and the CO, the regimental CO and sergeant major brought all everybody over to Fillers Green, all the staff and COs, and they're like, "Why can't we retain? Why can't we retain Marines?" And I was already, I'm out the door, like I'm leaving, so I'm I'm holding nothing back. I'm like, yeah. I'll tell you exactly why you can't retain Marines. I'll tell you. Yeah. It's, all your time doing gear layouts. You never fucking train. Your training is garbage. <laughs> yeah, you treat people like children rather than treating them like adults, and then punishing the ones that act like children. You're making them sleep in a in a in a, in a rot ridden barracks. You know, <laughs> I have to tell people all the time the barracks of 10th Marines were the worst. The Not worst? the regiment ones. The regimental ones weren't too bad. They had those nice ones across the street, but on the other side of N Street, where all the battalions were, the battalion yeah. barracks were fucking shitty. Yeah. Oh. I remember we had a new battery gunny show up, just came off the drill field. So you know how that goes. He's either like, Oh God, I'm glad I'm not a drill instructor anymore. Or they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, he, he showed up. I'm the new battery gunners are blah, blah, blah. Field day is on Thursday. He's like, I will not accept any civilian linen on racks. Every lock will be set to zero. Every fucking shoe rack will be made. Or, you know, like your shoe display. Like he wanted it like boot camp style. And then they were like, hey, Gunny, we don't have enough linen to give out to everybody. So guys have to buy their own. And he's like, well, <laughs> belay that order for now. We will continue, you know, like, but he was just such a fucking douchebag. Yeah. I don't remember his name. I wouldn't call him out, but God, it's guys like that, though. You're like, dude, you're just making it on unreasonably miserable. Like there's no reason to be an asshole like this, yeah. you know, that's why I don't, uh, Sergeant major black, the new Sergeant major of the Marine Corps. Yeah. He was probably the worst Sergeant major I worked with when he was really? at the 11th Mew. Oh my God, dude, the worst, the worst. He tried to block a couple of my best dudes from reenlisting for just little shit. So we'd call back and have Sergeant major Tracy Offit, you know, featured yeah. guest on this show. He nice. would do the paperwork on his end because this yeah. dude would try to fuck him and not let him reenlist or, oh, hey, he doesn't have this document for his tattoo. Oh, hey, you know, it's just, hey, fucking put tape on that Nalgene bottle because it's not tactical as you're walking around the ship. There was a lot of that attempting regiment too, like the last CO and Sergeant Major when I was there. And, and you know, I understand 
order and discipline and standards. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually for it, you know, but yeah, like, it's a good thing. But you, you know, you have to, like, if we're out in the field and, and I think my, I had my, I was out there doing an evaluation and I was wearing my Mitch Kevlar and the nuts were stripped out on it. So I couldn't take it out and switch it from desert to green. Mm. So I would just put it on during fire missions anyways. And sometimes yeah. even for that, you know, but the CO was <laughs> the hill. So I had my fucking brain bucket on and he, I had two handsets. I was controlling and approving fires from two different firing agencies and the Sergeant major, like at least he waited until I was done with my fire mission. Oh, and then I thought you were going to tell me he like interrupted you. No, he waited until I was done with my fire mission. They called me over to the corner and like t- t- tells me I'm, you know, Hey devil dog, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Staff NCO, you'll expect better than this. Exactly. And so, and I, then I feel bad. I'm like, yeah, I was like, you're right. You know what? I should, I should go to stiff and get the, wear my normal Kevlar and make it up. But I'm like, but why wouldn't you say something about, you know, the multiple fire missions that we're controlling or putting rounds down range or how accurate the batteries are being or how quickly yeah. fire missions are getting approved? All you care about is the fucking Kevlar cover, dude. Get the fuck out of here. That's how you know you work in a ceremonial job. Exactly. I, I, look, I worry like, about how you look rather than how you act. It's funny because they did a promotion ceremony like two days after that and they were all at OP5 while we were live and nobody was wearing gear in, ser- in, in formation down at the base of the OP. I'm like – well, it's safe down there, don't you know? It's, it's safe down there. there. You're good. You're good. It's like if you wear a glow belt at night, you're safe. You so, know, if you run on River Road and you have a glow belt on, you're safe. If you take that thing off, you're likely going to get hit by a car. Chances a week go later, up. A week later, we're in Fiddler's Green trying to explain to the CO and Sergeant Major why nobody wants to be retained. Yeah. Where was Fiddler's Green at on 10th uh, Marines? It's the staff and CO is just like on the other side. It was the staff and CO gathering. I've never Green? been there. Yeah, it's right. It's like so. I didn't think they had one. Yeah, yeah. I was at regiment, but I mean, I was at regiment like for a couple months. Like I was there for over a year, but I was deployed or doing a workup for my advisor team the entire time. So, yeah. The only time I was a staff NCO at regiment was that time that I knew you. Those few months that we were there for teaching classes. Right. So, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know there was a Fiddler's Green. Yeah, I just kept on living that life. I mean, it was a good life though, man. You could go to every, you got to go to every shoot, you know, you got to yeah. teach people, Yeah, you know, you're making a real difference. I think yeah. so. I think it's I a, mean, it, and, and you definitely do. And I, and I, I did enjoy teaching. I did. I really enjoyed it when like Marines enjoyed it, you know, yeah. but I there's really always guys it. that don't want to be there, but there's guys that are like, you, you can tell they like it. They're glad they're getting it. They understand the seriousness of it. The yeah. JFO primer was the bane of my existence because Everybody would send their Marines to the JFO primer, even if there was no way they were going to get a seat at JFO school. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching like all these O3 dum-dums, the exact same thing that I, you know, the, I'm teaching them how to be like a basic 0861. I feel like they should be able to read a map because they're, you know, an infantryman. A lot of them can't. No, uh, it's surprising how many people eat. Well, I mean, there's a lot of all kinds of Marines that can't read maps. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and I accept like if you, if you're like a, you know, an administrator and you don't know how to read a map. You should be able to how to read a map, but I understand that you don't know how to read a map. Like that's not your job. You don't a do corporal it. infantryman should corporal infantryman or lance corporal infantryman. Any infantryman, I feel like, should be able to read a map and at least understand the basics of a call for fire. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you have somebody that's a like a, a real you know knuckle dragger and you're really trying to like you have to like talk them through step by step. Yeah. You know, oh my god. That wears on you after a while. Yeah, I think the biggest issues I ever I always had with the JFO classes where they were just so fucking big. And you have to run guys through so many sims 
and there weren't enough instructors. So you'd be like playing the battery and the aircraft and like yeah. the JFO or like, like the air officer. different voices. Yeah. I'm just yeah. sitting here talking to myself like I'm a fucking maniac, <laughs> you know, but teaching those classes made me as good as I was and as confident as I was. Yeah. Because I, I mean, just, because over and over again, I'm getting the basics over and over again. You know, you're yeah. getting that fucking, because we were updating the classes from what they were teaching in Atlanta. They'd come back with the new CD of whatever changes were, and then we would turn around and teach that. And then yeah. we would go out to the hill and do it. So, I mean, yeah. we were in the best position. I, I, I tell, I told people at First Anglico this. I was talking about it with Andrew tomorrow and um, Joel Flores on the last episode. How when I got to Anglico, I was let down by the quality of the JFOs there compared to the ones that we had at 10th Marines. Yeah. You know, because we had some good. Remember that fucking JFO room that we made? That yeah, cami netting. Twenties fucking baby. Did you guys keep that? Did no. There for, oh. We had to. We, we ended up having to give up that whole uh, that whole building to. Uh, I think the S four. Oh no way! You guys moved out of that building. Yeah, they moved. So they built another. Uh, another similar type room, but it was like in the command suite of one of the other buildings across the street. And they had like two huh. different OP, like two different rooms set up with, with DVTs. And then there was like a master control station and we had a bunch of, you know, it was still pretty good, pretty good setup. That was sick. For yeah. those that don't know what we're talking about, they have these laptop computers called the DVTE, And it's like, you can go on and play almost like a video game where you're playing like yeah. a JTAC, but I'm on the other side of the wall. We'd run the land cable over the wall and to the other room and I've got the master computer and I'm flying actual aircraft and I'm bringing in our, I have artillery missions and stuff like that. And I'd have like, what we have like two instructors, you know, yeah. one dude on one hook acting as one platform, one dude on one hook acting as another platform. We would put a CD player with machine gun fire going off. The yeah. desk that they were sitting at was completely covered in caminetting. Like they were sitting in a huge caminetting hole the light was turned off and there was a smoke machine and a strobe light <laughs> yes. and they had to use their flashlights and their headlamps and stuff to see anything except for what the light the computer gave them. But yeah. that was a really good man. It was fucking stressful for sure. I'll tell you what I, of Marines that I enjoyed working for mass on Crenti is like gotta be near the top, you know, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He, like, he, I need he, to hit he, him up and see if he could come on the show. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. He was, he was cool. That, I, Last I knew, he was the he was the uh, he was the JTAC he was the JTAC. Uh, he's retired, Holmes. Whatever at at, at MSOB. No, he's he retired. Went, he went over to courthouse. Did he retire? Yeah, he retired from there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I need to hit him up and see if he'll come on. I hit up uh, um, old Mister McIntyre. I was like, "What's oh, up, yeah. man? I got a podcast. I need you to come on, wear an Afated hat, and uh, <laughs> let everybody on the East Coast reminisce about your Afateds." Or I don't yeah. know. Did you know him? I guess you weren't really in tenth grade. Yeah, very long. yeah, uh, yeah. Mac was. He was. The, he was the guy that was there um, when I first came over to End Street. That was the Afateds guru, wizard dude. They yeah. come out to Fort Bragg. You'd be working on something on this computer, like this is bullshit. It's not working. This won't load hours he'll come out and be like did you try this and you'll do it like god damn it damn why couldn't i figure that out god he was a wizard at it yeah the guy that came out and replaced i can't remember his name now but he was he was he was of comparable quality as far as a fated knowledge was concerned so yeah did he come in with a different colored hat on every day he was not nearly as country as oh he's super country too he lives out i think he lives in north carolina still up in the mountains but he's got he always he always puts pictures up uh, pictures up of like uh, his uh, game cam animal yeah. like deer and stuff that are in his yard. 
Yeah. Like he's just living out, like, you know, living in suspenders. Dude is dude is well paid. Oh yeah. For he's sure. His, he was a retired, retired Master Guns. Retired Master Guns. He's probably got his disability rolling into. Then he retired from a fated. I mean Yeah, whatever that contractor. I don't know if that was contractor or if that was a GS job. But he was forever. He, I, I know he draws a retirement because I know he said he was he's doing all right. I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, man. Well, we're just over two hours, so I yes. think I'm going to cut it off here. Sounds good. I don't want to have to make you edit too much. Nah, I'm, I'm clip off the very little bit at the very beginning, and that's it. Do you want to throw out uh, any organizations? Like, what student organizations would you recommend for veterans? Uh, any every university probably has some kind of student veteran organization uh, that you can get into. I recommend getting involved, man. I mean, it. What's helped me so much through school is just being able to connect with other veterans and kind of got me through that first year, you know, especially the first, well, the second semester is probably the worst for me. But, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have that, that camaraderie, even if you don't necessarily agree with everything they say all the time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and I, I would recommend anybody that's a student or is getting out and getting ready to go into the student life, do get together with an organization that's veteran oriented and then get together with one that's not veteran oriented so that you can have a little bit of yin and yang in your life. Um, and, and, and not just become the, you know, the bro vet. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm towing that line pretty hard with my website and stuff. <laughs> I mean, you, you provide a service though. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any super really motard like f- stuff. It's all stuff that people want for their units and shit, but right. oh, well, I don't I mean, know. there's a market for that. There's the, that's business, my friend. Yeah, hey man, it's uh, it's paying my bills. It's for right now. Thank you everyone that's uh, checking out jkramergraphics.com. Make sure to do that. Boom! Nice <laughs> Pick up a flag. <laughs> Flags are super popular right now. And people right. hit me up. Some lady hit me up. She's like, "Hey, I was wanting to get this Marsoc flag, but it this other website charges seventy bucks. Is it the same yeah. one?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude. Like, I'm selling the same flags that most people are for like walls and stuff, but I just don't charge an outrageous amount. I tried to keep all the prices for my stuff." pretty low because i want people to buy it you know like i want to be able to be a lance corporal can't afford a fucking 30 or 40 dollar hoodie which is what a lot of websites charge for a hoodie yeah you know so <laughs> yeah my buddy kyle i remember one time we were like going back and forth on facebook because he was asking if you had the graphic so he could put it on a hoodie and i'm like dude just buy it from him man he's not gonna uh, give you the graphic. <laughs> yeah he's like hey can you hook it up i'm using it for something else i'm like nah dude i mean i would it's my livelihood bro like yeah right exactly i can print it and send it send you a, a new hoodie today what do you want today. you know <laughs> oh well all right man well thanks for coming on again um i'll probably have you on at some point later on you know you can come back and talk about your internship or yeah, you know, definitely. Or we'll talk more about China and stuff like that because you're probably the person I know that knows the most about it. I, well, how's that, Shana? Which means I'm just. <laughs> <studied>. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, man. You too. Good talking to you, brother. You too. Later. Later. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.